This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. Yep, made it to Friday. Friday's good. Rick Mail's death linked to a cardiac event. His wife said he'd just come back from jogging. Never see happy joggers, do you? You really don't. They run along on miserable sit. Everybody's talking about it upstairs. Oh, I'm doing cardiology. I'm doing I'm doing a treadmill. I'm doing this kind They're so boring. So boring. Uh, celebrities who trail after each other. You know, the moment they, they get a restaurant that is sort of so-called fashionable, out they all trot. You know, the very idea that Cheryl Cole has got the... F- I mean, do you think... Can you, do you can have a, a long discussion with Cheryl Cole about Cole Cannon or crispy chicken skin? Do you think you've got the faintest idea? Of course not. I wouldn't want to go to any restaurant that let her in, thank you very much indeed. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Oh, and more. Much, much more. There's a Blackpool hotel that's condemned. Kind of figures, doesn't it, really? It's Blackpool. You know, it doesn't surprise me that the hotel's condemned up there. This time the owner's been sent to prison. It was that bad. It was that bad. Uh, Brazil throws the ball for the World Cup. It's great. You know, everybody's very happy about it. I really couldn't give a forex. Uh, the mother who called for ecstasy to be legalised. Her daughter took drugs because her mother said she wanted a high. She didn't want to die. Which is, which is a great line, but unfortunately, love, you can't have it like that. It doesn't work like that. It would be very nice to think, because it's very simplistic, to go, oh, let's legalise ecstasy, let's legalise cocaine, let's, let's legalise anything. Why don't we legalise shooting up in the street? You know, let's legalise it all. She just wanted a high. What a, what a shame her life was so shallow and so empty that the only high she could get in her life was drugs. And there is that odd, odd... Odd, you know, sort of thousand to one percent chance that you might react badly to a drug. There could have been loads of other people who took exactly the same drug that that woman's daughter took. And they won't have any effect at all, apart from the usual sort of, you know, getting high. She takes it. She might have had something the matter with her inside. Might have reacted badly. Gone. Simple as that. And then the mother goes, she just wanted to get high. Grow up. Grow up, for goodness sake. You know, you want to get high now. Try and get high on life. Try and get high on doing something. Try and get high... You know, I, 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 I do worry about the fact that some people can only get through the day on coke. They can only get through the day on ecstasy. They can only get through the day on smoking marijuana. I mean, that's great if that's what you want to do, but don't come whining to me afterwards that you become addicted to it and it's ruined your life. And then, you know, it's, it's the celebrities, isn't it? They, they turn to drink and alcohol because they can't cope with their lives. And quite clearly, it's most of them. You know, you look at Katie Price, a drip in the first order. You know, a woman who can't keep her life together. Kerry Katona, Robbie Williams. You know, we've had a few other people from boy bands, quite a number of people from boy bands, who've sort of been down that route and then they get depressed and everything. The rest of us just go through life quite happily, looking at and thinking, I'm so glad I'm not you. I'm so glad I'm not you. It's like looking at this so-called war, which they've turned it into... Only the black cab drivers have turned it into a war. The Uber people couldn't give a stuff. Could not give a stuff. They don't care. You know, it's, it's just become so ridiculous now. And you want to see some of the thuggish black cab drivers there are out there writing stuff on websites, you know, not doing themselves any favours whatsoever. Nick Clegg said it. Boris said it. TfL said it. 90% of the people in the capital. What do you think you've achieved? Nothing. Nothing. Competition is healthy. I spoke to somebody in the office earlier on. He went out the other night. He's, he's got an Uber account. I do not have an Uber account. Contrary to what you might think, I've never booked anything in my life. Uh, and so he called it. Six minutes it was there. And the bloke said, it's very busy down Trafalgar Square. I'll just go around the back way. He said, well, I'll get you there in plenty of time. Don't worry. Got there in plenty of time. The black cab answer is, uh, we know the streets of London. Well, 
Excuse me. I mean, you know, that's the dumbest argument. It's like going back to carry on cabby, for Christ's sake. I know the streets of, of Southampton. I've only been there a few times, but I've got a sat-nav. It shows me the streets. I can take myself exactly to a number on a street. What's complicated about that? So can I now say, I know the streets of Paris. I know the streets of, uh, of, of, of Brussels. I know the... Because, you know, with all my sat-navs, I can get through any street. You don't need to know the streets of London. That's cobblers. You don't need to say that to anybody. It doesn't make it... All people want to do is get in, get from here to there and pay the cheapest possible price. I'm not interested in whether it's, you know, as long as it's clean, and you and I know there's lots of dirty cars out there. There are lots, although, to be honest, I've never had a minicab in the morning that's been dirty. Never had one. Never had one at all. Always been clean. There was only once, about five years ago, and quite clear the woman had dogs in there or something. She'd had her dogs in the car, and I said, take it away. I said, I'll, I'll drive myself in. It's a lot easier. I don't want to sit there listening to the sm- smelling this vile. Absolutely dreadful. You know, I love dogs, but I don't want to smell them in a car where they appear to have pooed all over the place. Dreadful. So, uh, so there was that. And what else do we have in the paper today? Oh, the Brazil thing. And uh, Harrison Ford. They made it out to be something... Re- so he got crushed by a bit of scenery. That while they were making a thing in Buckinghamshire. He's OK. He's OK. But th- if you read the headline on the mirror... Uh, Harrison Ford crushed in Star Wars set horror. Air ambulance rushes 71-year-old to trauma unit. And uh, he suffered a suspected broken ankle. And there's somebody on the set, he was in great pain. Well, of course you would be, he's, you know, he's got a broken ankle. It's not like he's been decapitated or something. Everybody else has played it down a little bit. You know, airlifters, movie legend, crushed on set. He's OK. He's OK. God, dear me. Colleen Rooney, though, I mean, you had to laugh at the, at the sheer... At the sheer valueness of anything she ever says you know after we after we've had this uh, this world cup she says i think we're all going to go on a long three-week holiday i thought what like the other week and the week before that and the week before that. you don't do anything dear you don't do anything don't patronize us by going oh i think we're going to go on a holiday it's all been too much very stressful you know, it's just hilarious, isn't it? I'm going to go on a three-week holiday i wish you'd stay on a bloody three-week holiday uh beverly did watch the 12 year old shopaholic it was un Believable. This is the programme I saw. And it's a girl called Chase, I think. I think Chase. I mean, it's, it's one of these chavvy sort of names. Her parents were very chav. Her father was a builder. Now, that, that wasn't the chavvy side of it. The chavvy side of, us, uh, of it was the indulgence of her and not the other two kids. It was the indulgence of this little, little madam at 12 years old who, uh, who seemed to think she was being clever. Mind you, the dumb people were the parents. That was the problem. The problem was they're living in what can only be described as a hovel to afford her to have a pony, which is in a small little field. Very exciting for a pony, as you can well imagine. And, uh, and they take her round and they allowed her to be filmed at 12 years old. They allowed her to be filmed for a television programme showing you just how extravagant they could be. And, oh, we just can't not buy things for her, can we? And I'm thinking, you are dumb. You are really dumb. It was so vacuous, this programme. There was a couple of overweight kids who, again, their parents indulged them. Um, and, and she bought this stuff, this girl. Half of it she'd never even wore. I love that, I love that, I love that. Nothing to look forward to in life. As I said the other day, absolutely nothing to look forward to. Because everything she wants, she gets. So when it comes to Christmas, they've had it all. There's nothing to go, oh, I'd really like that. That would be great if that arrived. No, there was none of that kind of enthusiasm. Yeah, I love that. Little kid, little spoiled child with his mum, who looked as though she could have been a failed lap dancer or something like that, who was indulging him in Toys R Us. 
and going, oh, you must have one of these, and one, as if she was trying to show off to people that she could afford to spend £240. That was the thing that worried me. She was showing off for the benefit of the cameras. I just looked at her thinking, you're a bit dumb, aren't you, love, and a bit simple. Why are you spending money on this kid? He wasn't remotely bothered. He gets toys out and he drives about. Go and put some more toys in the trolley, she's going. As if she, in the end, they put it up for the till. £242. I thought, you peasant. You know, if you're really going to do it, love, go to Hamley's, buy some serious toys. Not cheap little plastic soldiers. And then his father came and he said, I'd like to indulge him at the weekend. and took him out to one of those cheap chicken shops. You know, the one that might have been a Kentucky years ago, but had the franchise taken away. It was like that, and I think, and that's your idea of good, is it? God, blimey. Anyway, so it was unbelievable, it says, uh, says Beverly. And uh, she says, I hope the landlord of the couple who had the horse, who said they run up rent arrears, was watching. Yeah. Oh, she, she thought it was hilarious, the mother. She said to come into this world with nothing and to go out owing money meant result. And I thought, that's your idea, is it? You just go and borrow and then not, not pay it back. Stupid people. Compare it to the programme, says Bev. My last summer. Did you see this one? Five terminally ill people. People who are facing up to the end of their life. This was a programme with, with gravitas. It wasn't sad. It wasn't sad. You had to marvel at them. The participants, very brave. I mean, all these people have got a short time to live. You know, a very short... And what they're doing, they're making the most of it. So compare that. The difference in these two groups of people, the stupid parents overindulging the children and people coming to the end of their life who are facing up to that and trying... My mother was very good. She was very good. I mean, even I thought she was very good at it because she'd had cancer before and then it came back again. And when it came back, it was, uh, it was quite strong, but she knew it had come back. She said to me, I knew it had come back. And she was very good. The moment she was told it was terminal... Then she, uh, she started planning. Her will was up to date. She started making sure that she kept herself busy because she knew she was going to get to that stage where she was on the morphine. And, uh, and it was going to make her more and more tired because the morphine initially gives you a bit of false hope. It's like, I suppose, sticking ecstasy in, into somebody. You sort of go, wow. I mean, she felt great. She felt great with the morphine. She thought it was fantastic. And then gradually the morphine was taking over because it sort of, it, it battled the pain. And gradually, you know, she went into a hospice. And when she went into the hospice, I think it was only a matter of, it was less than a week. Less than a week. And she went from, from going in, being very tired, to literally just not having the energy to do anything as her little body closed down. And that's why when you watch these people on the television, I know because I've been through that. I know what it was like. I don't know what it's like to die, because I've quite clearly never died. I've had a few, I've had a few tenuous programmes where I thought maybe I should have died on it, would have been safer, but, uh, but not. And she sort, of, she sort of dealt with it. And she dealt with it, you know, in her own way. I don't know how people deal with it. Me, of course, it'd be fantastic. I'd have a programme to do it on. Every day I could have a programme and say, today I'm feeling really bad. And you can, you can live through it, because there's thousands of you who live through it. That's why when you watch a programme about shopaholics, it just makes you want to sort of weep for the sheer simplicity of these people and how empty their lives are. And have they ever been touched by a tragedy? Have they ever, ever affected by anything on television? I shouldn't think so. What are they impressed by? They're impressed by flashing the cash and impressing their children, who don't respect them for it at all. None of these children was remotely grateful, not one of them. And I looked at it and I thought, I can't wait for you to grow up into adults because you're going to be a total bloody waste of space. You really are. Quarter past four. Coming up with Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning. The crisis in Iraq continues to unfold. We'll have the latest on breakfast. Plus, what do you think kids should know by the time they leave school? 
God, there's a big question, isn't it? And Rick Mayle's wife has said he died of a heart attack after going for a run. How can you exercise, exercise safely after the age of 50? Don't, is my answer. Don't exercise. If it, if it looks strenuous, it is. All of that and more. David Wooding, Associate Political Editor of The Sun Sundays, in looking at the papers for today. It's finally been proven, I've said it all the time, white bread is good for you. White bread is good for you. They used to say brown bread, and I said, oh, I can't bear brown bread. I can't bear it. I try not to eat too much bread, but, you know, it's an occupational hazard, I'm afraid. So I, I do eat probably a bit more bread than I should be eating. And so they now said white bread is good for us. The publishings are uh, in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry. Oh, and by the way, I don't really want to dwell on it too much because it's Friday the 13th. I'm not superstition. I really couldn't care less about Friday the 13th. Imagine if I get run over by a bus later, I might care a bit more about it. But it is the day notorious for bad luck. Motorists uh, taking to the road could be especially cursed today uh, because this day, according to an insurance company, collision claims increase. So you have been warned, OK? My advice is don't go. I got my car back yesterday. It's lovely. All nice and shiny and clean inside. Well, it's always clean inside, but it's vacuumed, and I love it when it's vacuumed. There's something nice about it. That's why when it, when it rains, you think, oh, I'm going to get all the carpets wet and horrible. Uh, there is, do you know that there is um, a description for a fear of Friday the 13th? Did you know this? There is actually a word that describes the fear of Friday the 13th. It's called f- frigate risk aldecophobia. Have you ever heard? I've never heard of that either. But apparently that's a fear of Friday the 13th. <laughs> what did you say? I don't want to go out. To, I don't know where Friday the 13th came. Is this the 13th uh, person at the Last Supper? Is it, is it that kind of thing? Is that, is that, is that where it comes from? I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain. Uh, if you want to retire in style, save £13,000 a year. That's what they're saying. Save £13,000 a year and you can retire in style. It's good, isn't it? Gives you a rough idea of what you're sort of aiming for. Not that it'll make any difference to any of you listening at the moment. You'll be going, listen, there's no chance of saving £13,000 a year. I'll have to save nearly three quarters of the benefits. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Bit of a powerful and emotional frank intro, says Jimmy. The compassion between losing a loved one who passed with dignity and those wasters couldn't have been more poignant. I get, do you know, I get so... Not angry... I just think, small wonder we're in the blooming state we're in in this country. When you've got the Jeremy Kyle show. Who did he have on yesterday? Liz Dawn. Liz Dawn. So what he's had, he's had a load of people who've done the drink and drugs route. She did the drink. And uh, and it's sort of, you know, it started after her mother died and then this kind of thing. We've had Barrymore. We had that waste of space, Tamara, um, Tara Palmer Tomkinson. I mean, to be honest with you, who gives a stuff about her vacuous little life? I couldn't care less. Not remotely interested. But it's funny how things affect people so they say oh losing my mother meant that i started drinking i didn't start drinking when i lost my mother i really didn't i think the best thing that my mother ever did was, was firstly have me secondly i thought we, we we sort of did a did a proud for the funeral you know you just want i don't know sometimes you feel a bit macabre about it you don't take pictures do you you take pictures when a baby comes into the world you take pictures at weddings you take pictures at happy events Nobody ever takes a picture of their mother or father after they've died so that you can look... You don't do it. And when it is done and they put it on the front of the National Enquirer like they did with, uh, with a couple of people, they put Elvis in his coffin, they managed to persuade a relative to have a hidden camera and they did it as well with... Um, who was that actor who died? River Phoenix, who died at the Viper Club. And again, they managed to get somebody to get a picture. But we don't have that. I don't have any photographs. I mean, I, I nearly said quite quite rightly, of my mother after she died. Because the image you have is of the person 
before you want to remember that. I've known lots of people who've died over the years, but I've only ever seen my mother and my father. I don't think I've seen anybody else. Uh, but the, and I, I do remember those images. I do retain them. But at the same time, we don't take any photographs. The only thing we actually got, I've said before, is the funeral director took a photograph of the flowers, but my mother had requested no flowers. So the only wreath we had was from LBC. The management centre was the only wreath of flowers. We had a coffin spray. I don't know what, to be honest with you, I don't know why. It was lovely, it was, it was beautifully done, and she'd wanted that. She said, I quite like a coffin spray. And you, think, oh. you know, people think of these things while they're alive, and then you think, I hope you've seen it. I want to be able to sort of float above my coffin and have a quick look after just to make sure all the right people are there. I want to make sure people are crying. Don't anybody standing there waving, going, thank, thank God he's gone, you know. God dear me, honestly. It's to drive us mad in the morning. Oh, oh dear. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, Colleen Rooney will need a holiday after the World Cup. She'll be kept incredibly busy every day, keeping Wayne away from all those Brazilian prosers. I know. I know. And you're not alone being bored by the World Cup. Me, Sam and John Holmes are with you. I'm, I mean, I feel a bit guilty saying that I'm not really interested in the World Cup. But why should I be? I'm not interested in Lego either. I'm not interested in going to SeaWorld in Florida. There's certain things I couldn't care less about. I'm, I'm, I really, I couldn't be less impressed by football if they were playing it nude. Well, second thought, I'll rethink that one, actually. I think if they were playing it nude, it'd be far more entertaining and funny. I think we'd all have a good, good old laugh at that one. Talking of a good old laugh, every so often in London, and probably around the, uh, around the country, you get a celebrity restaurant. OK, and it's, it sort of pops up. Nobody knows where it's come from. And they go, oh, you've got to go here. This is one called the Chiltern Firehouse. You've probably read about it in the papers. You and I, us peasants, we, we couldn't get a table for ages because they look down their nose at people like us. They're not interested. They want celebrities. Whereas I do go to a few celebrity restaurants. And to be honest, after a while, it's a bit boring. But this one plays on it. And every time celebrities go... It's all the photographers now hang around outside to see who's going. Who went the other night? You know, I mean, apart from the fact it's a lot of nouveau people, people that, you know, they don't know diddly squat about food. I mean, can you believe that they actually serve Firehouse Caesar? Doesn't that sound exciting? Not really. Do you know what it is? Crispy chicken skin and parmesan, and for that they charge ten quid. Jan Moyer has done a feature saying that, um, she says, if you want to really see something preposterous, a tiny bowl of cauliflower florets, for example, costs five pounds for five florets. A bit much, even if each florette is face down in a puddle of truffle paste. I estimate they must get about 25 portions from each head of cauliflower, which means they must make about £143 per cauliflower. Because, because all these celebrities... And I say celebrities. Do you think Davy Boy Beckham has got the faintest idea of what he's eating? No, he goes there because you've got to be seen to be there. Because if you haven't been there, you're out. It's like going to Scots. What do you mean, never been to Scots? Oh, you have to go to Scots. That's where people have arguments outside. Scots I've been to a few times. I've never paid. You know, roasted celeriac. I mean, Cheryl Cole's been there. She's from Newcastle. Roasted celeriac. You having a laugh? Sprouting broccoli, pearl onions and walnuts. How much do they charge for that? Come on, have a guess in your wild... Cheryl Cole. That's the conversation with Cheryl Cole. So, uh, why I, Cheryl, what do you think about roasted celeriac? Oh, I quite like it. It's like kid took you for a chicken. Sprouting broccoli, pear... Pearl onions and walnuts, and for that, 18 quid. They're having some sort of laugh, aren't they? Blackened salmon, sea kale, crispy skin and trout roe, 24 quid. However, if you want spring lamb... Now, lamb isn't cheap, as you know. They do minted broad beans with spring lamb, radishes and goat's curd. It's a pretentious bloody menu. £30. 
However, if you want wood-grilled aged ribeye, Isle of Wight tomatoes, it gives us stuff where they come from. We want a load of cobblers. Isle of Wight tomatoes. I mean, they might as well have come from the Canary Islands. And something called chimichurri. I've no idea what that is. It sounds quite exciting. £36. Now, I don't have a problem. If you want to go to a restaurant like that and pay those prices, it's fine. But it really makes a mockery of the so-called celebrities who troop along there thinking, oh, we have to go because this is the latest place in town. And so I think they actually tried an experiment a short while ago to phone up and see if you could get a table. Oh, no. No. I mean, put this way, they wouldn't want somebody like Katie Price in there because she's low rent. She would attract. You wouldn't want anybody from the only way Essex in there. Because they're low rent. So you'd be looking for the Joan Collinses, Kylie Minogue, the, the, the Beckhams. Harry Styles just creeps in because he probably went in with other people. That's the only reason. Probably went in with Kate Moss. Bono's been in there. I mean, he looks like a man who's been eating at the pie counter for too many years. Unlike, of course, poor Philip Schofield. He's in the paper today. The, he, he doesn't eat for two days a week. For two days a week, he starves himself. Have you ever seen Philip Schofield? You would be quite surprised when you see him. He's tiny. He's, he's, not, he's not a six-foot giant. He's a tiny person. He's quite small. And now he's even smaller. Anyway, who were there the other night? Mr and Mrs Cameron. Can't you just stay at home and cook? Really, not setting the right example at all. Edible flowers, kinky cocktails and wall-to-wall celebrity. Imagine sitting there going, oh, look, there's somebody more famous than us. Hello? 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 Who is that? Who is that? Kate, Kate who? Kate Moss. Hello? Hello, Kate. You can just see the people sitting there, can't you? Who's that over there? Because that's what people do in celeb restaurants. They look around the walls, they go, Harry, Harry don't, don't look, Harry Styles is over there. Harry Styles. <coughs> sitting there with, with, with some bloke from the radio. Yeah. And uh, who else is in there? Well, there's us. And uh, uh, the Beckham's just come in. The Beckham's just come in. God, the Beckham's just come in. Should I get their autograph? Well, of course, in celebrity restaurants, you're not allowed to go over and ask for autographs. They'll ask you to leave because the celebrities require their anonymity. Yeah, like, like the Beckham's require their anonymity. Oi! Dave, sign that, mate. I'm not paying for it. Just sign the blooming thing. Makes it so much easier. Are you superstitious? In Spain, apparently, the bad luck day is Tuesday the 13th, not Friday. I don't know why. Well, I mean, that's just Spain, isn't it? I mean, every day in Spain is bad luck day. Priscilla is listening from Belgium every morning as I get ready for my daily commute from Ghent to Brussels. Oh, you poor soul. <laughs> you poor soul. Did you do it on the Eurostar? I suppose you could, actually, couldn't you, really? I suppose you could. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. I'm having one of those days today. I'm having a day where I'm thinking, I love Friday. I love Friday. I really, really like Friday. I like Friday as much as any other day. I like Friday because it means that I, f- I can finish here this morning. Next week, I've got so many interviews. So many of Arabella Weir, I've got Simon Pegg, I've got the Osmonds, we've got um, Don Johnson, we've got Ronnie Corbett. I don't know how I'm going to fit them all. There aren't enough hours in the day for me. But mind you, it keeps me going, doesn't it? Um, Iraq implodes the fanatics marching on Baghdad, and they've got a picture of some of these fanatics. For some reason, they all want to dress up and cover their faces, like anybody's going to recognise them in the Western world. And so here they are, uh, this man is about to be executed. I thought the kids would love to know that this picture appears in a lot of the papers today. And uh, he's sitting by a sign which obviously said, this man is whatever. And he's sitting on the ground, and there's a guy standing behind him with a gun, and he's about to shoot him in the head. And this, apparently, we now accept, don't we, as being part of the daily newspaper ritual of showing you pictures that at one time would have shocked you. At one time, you'd be going, oh, this is awful. Now you just look at it and you think... <laughs> That's what's going on in Iraq. Mind you, sometimes on the streets of Tottenham as well. LBC News Time, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. 
I love it when I prove people wrong. Poor Don and the team. He says, you're misinformed. Triscodecophobia is simply the fear of... I didn't say Trisca. You might as well wash your ears out. It's Fricka Triscodecophobia. Need to listen carefully, which is the fear of Friday the 13th. Nothing worse than ignoramuses at this time of the morning. Dear Lord above. And he says about the, uh, about the drugs, many people use drugs and for many reasons. No, all the drugs I use, and if you want to use caffeine and nicotine and alcohol, they're legal. Ecstasy is illegal. Cocaine is illegal. Marijuana is illegal. Don't be so stupid. Nothing worse than somebody who's dim at this time of the morning. I engage your brain before opening mouth, for goodness sake. I did see Tara Palmer Tomkinson, says Johnny, on Jeremy Kyle the other day. Dreadful acting. Pretending to cry. Her desperate publicity seeking made me pour a drink. Yes, I also saw as well. I mean, I'm bored with this. these same people. Have you noticed they drone on about their boring, blooming lives? I couldn't care less whether she knows shoved half a Columbia up her nose. That's her problem. Nothing to do with me. I couldn't care less. That's what she wants to do. Want to kill herself? You do it. You do it. Don't come moaning to us so afterwards and appearing on a television programme and shame on the Jeremy Kyle show. What do they think by putting that on there? Do they think people are going to look at it and go, well, I'm never touching drugs? You know, do you think so? I don't think so at all. I think people sort of watch and go, hey, she's on the television. She's famous. That's what they come up with, isn't it? Other stories in the papers for today, apart from the uh, the restaurant with uh, with all the famous celebrities in it. But they have them all the time. You know, you go to the Ivy, that's got lots of celebrities. They don't make a big a big thing about it, though. You know, when you've got a new restaurant in town, they'll all go there. What I would like to find out is how many go there again. That's the indicator. You get people who go to the Ivy or to Joe Allen's, they've been going there for years. Years and years and years. You know, you get these pop-up restaurants that turn up like this one, the, uh, the fire thing, and you'll have people who will go there, and, and they might only go there the once because they'll have been photographed. Because the rest of the time they go, how much that cost us? £700? We're not going there again. That's what they come down to. They'll go there for their publicity picture. And uh, they go, oh, the manager would like to send you a glass of champagne. Like, like, I mean, it's a waste of time taking Victoria Beckham anywhere. What's the point? She's not going to be eating anything, is she? Sorry, chickens. Would you be eating chicken skin, Victoria? I don't think so, no. Would you like to eat something? Would you like half a potato? I don't think so, no. I couldn't manage half a potato. She's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, it would be, would be so funny going out for dinner with Victoria Beckham, watching her push a pea around the plate. <laughs> Better than pushing David, I suppose, round the, uh, the dining room. Other stories of the paper today. Gunnersbury Park, beautiful area. Don't know if you've ever been to Gunnersbury Park. Just as you're heading up to Hangar Lane, it's on the left-hand side, beautiful. Uh, I think owned by the Rothschilds, the house there. Beautiful. Who moves on to the site? Filthy travellers. I say filthy travellers. They've left. They've left 50 tonnes of waste there. Disgusting, filthy, low-rent people. They've moved on. As somebody said, didn't have a problem with them moving on there. Can't they take their rubbish? No, they just desecrate everybody else's area. And then one of them turned round to the uh, to the Daily Mail and said, if you don't off, because most of them spend time in prison, as you know, you can understand why, can't you? I'm going to put my fruit through your camera. I don't mind going to prison for what I will do to you. They're like that. Thick, unintelligent Neanderthals who desecrate everybody else's property. He said, you don't have a right to be here. He was tattooed. Bit, bit girly, I think, really. And he said, I'll get all my friends here, then you'll be sorry. Then you'll be sorry. <laughs> what a pathetic little girl's blouse he must be. And so here they are, you know, the uglies, and then you look at the picture of 50 tonnes of waste, which is going to cost you, if you live in Ealing, 18,000 quid to clear it up again. And they couldn't give a toss, could they? They don't care about it. Why should they care? You know, I tell you what, you feel like, you know, when they sort of... My favourite was years ago, when they settled on Hampton Court Green. They came down from all over the place. Again, strewing rubbish everywhere. And the farmer who owns it says, uh, Pig Slurry Day, 
And they went, yeah, right. And he went, pig slurry day. And he started in the morning and he got his pig slurry out and he started the machine up and it sent pig slurry. They couldn't get off the site quick enough. They were picking up their skirts, that was the men, and running as fast as they could. Cowslow uh, Council have said exactly the same as Ealing Council have said. This is absolutely unacceptable. What are they doing about it? Nothing. They've been there for ages. 50 tonnes of rubbish left strewn across the park, including a smash piano. Because you go, got any, got any rubbish you want clearing? Yeah, let's go dump it in the park where we are. Disgraceful, it really is just... Small wonder people don't like them. Small wonder people don't like them. God, they don't exactly do anything to help themselves, do they? They're, they're vile, rude, disgusting, cheap, dirty. Goodness sake, honestly. Why don't they go and do something else? Somebody says here, only the good die young. It is probably true, actually, yeah, but I'd rather not be good. I'd rather be bad. I think being bad slightly better, don't you? I think much, much better. Apparently the full moon won't uh, fall again on Friday the 13th until 2049. Do I sound like a care? I'm not remotely interested in a full moon. What about the matter with a full moon? Does that make any difference to us? A full moon? Is that supposed to be, again, something that we, uh, that we worry about? Is that supposed to be something because we're all... We're all superstitious. I don't care about full moons, actually. I don't really care, truth be known. I don't really care about about Friday the 13th. I don't think I care about Friday the 13th. I'm not sure, actually, if I do. If I think about it, am I superstitious? No. Do I, do I walk under a ladder? Yes. Does it bother me? No. Do I worry about black cats? No. Do I sort of believe in palmistry? No, I don't think they're all frauds. Do I believe in tarot readings? No, I think it's all rubbish. Do I believe in the Beckhams? Not really. As Jan Moyer says today, avoiding fame, Davy Boy Beckham and that pointless documentary. She says, "What was the, um, what was the documentary all about? Nothing. It was it was so empty. A bit like Davy Boy Beckham. You know, a man turns up in the jungle with a bandana on, slightly camp, but there you go, and picks up a few little native children and they take photographs for the camera, and that's, you know, and that's it. Look, a monkey squeaked David at one point." He is in the real world, isn't he? I'd like to think he is in the real world. But uh, he was with a ten-man camera crew. So there was nothing, you know, Davy Boy Beckham sort of into the unknown. There was nothing unknown about it. Indiana Jones does more of the unknown. Davy Boy Beckham goes protected all the way with doctor, makeup artist, cameraman, producers, directors, fluffers, you know, all, all the rest of the people who turn up for these sort of things and were expected to buy into this guff. Luckily, nobody did. Not one person bought into it. Nobody bought it. People watch it because they, they can't believe that when he opens his mouth, he's got this sort of really camp voice that pops out. You know? So I was saying to Victoria the other... It's not quite as bad as that. That's emphasised for the purposes of comedic reasoning. And, uh, but, I mean, who cares? So David Boyd Beckham goes off on a motorbike. The BBC don't tell you what the motorbike is because that would be publicity. Irrespective of the fact that they've been running publicity adverts all over their programmes for years. You always remember Can't Cook, Won't Cook, don't you? With the dreadful Ainsley Harriet. Do you remember that one? And at the end of the programme, they say, oh, we've oh, we got a couple here, haven't we? He was a bit like that, wasn't he? He was a bit touchy-feely, a little bit too touchy-feely at times. And uh, they go, what have you got? Oh, we come from, you know, Muck Spreaders Ice Cream Limited from Taunton in Devon. And uh, we brought this, and we're going to see what you can do with it. Well, I had a rough idea what I could do with it, but it didn't seem to fit in with what Ainsley Harriet was going to do with it. And so we would watch this programme, and they'd get their free advert. And I used to go on air the following day going, it's the producer on Backhanders. They say, listen, can you put our sausages on the television and we'll give you a, a, we'll give you a backhander? I spoke to her, I can't tell you who it is because it identifies her, but it's a, it's a friend of mine who works in a part of London. She's a food inspector. 
she's a food inspector for the council. She's the one that goes round and inspects premises and decides if the, and it, which reminds me, you won't believe this. You're not going to believe this. I walked down the alley here the other, this morning to come into the building. As I'm walking down from under one of the doorways in one of the restaurants, I, could, I came in, I told Imran, a cockroach. A cockroach. I haven't seen a cockroach since I've been in Hong Kong, where we used to have cockroaches as big as your hands. And this one came from one of the restaurants. And I remember thinking, if there's one, there's loads. You don't just get one cockroach. Dirty places... Dirty premises, cockroaches. So anyway, so just going... I forgot what I was talking about, actually, now. Anyway, so so looking at all the uh, sort of the, the dirty places, and look, I can't remember exactly where I was talking about before I got sidetracked onto my cockroach story. I've completely forgot what I was talking about. Oh, that's right, my friend, that's right. So she's a food inspector for the local council. The local... She likes Chinese food. And the local Chinese restaurant want to give her free food. And uh, this is the local one in her area. And I said, you can't accept it. She said, no. I said, because if you then give them a bad rating, they're going to say to the council, but wait a minute, she's been accepting food. She's been accepting food. See, I don't work. I've never done that. I've never been out and accepted something for free in return for being nice about somebody because it doesn't work like that. I always prefer to pay. If somebody says, oh, you have that. I said, no, seriously, I want to pay. I really want to pay. You know, every time I pay for my car, I pay for my car. Every time something, you know, I, mean, I do put petrol in the car and I do pay for it. So I'm, I'm very good like that. I don't like accepting free things. I, I mean, obviously, in the course of work, if I'm interviewing somebody who's got a book out, I get given the book. That's my bonus. I get given the book. But I generally pass them on to other people. I give them to either an old people's home or I give them to people who who, uh, who live where I live and then they can... They can uh, sort of make full use of them. Uh, Steve says, Dean, do you notice how travellers keep such pride in their caravans but destroy everything else? I don't understand why. Yes, I mean, we've seen them on Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. You know, the girls who get married at whatever age it is they get married at to some Neanderthal, and then they keep the caravan clean for ages, and yet all around them is filth and squalor. Because they go around with their trucks and they load all this stuff, and then they just dump it. So in the middle of Gunnersbury Park, I mean, do they not, you know, do they not understand that? I mean, I can't... Unless you bang their head against a wall and try and drum some intelligence into them, which I think you might be sort of kind of wasting your time. So they not realise that why would you want to destroy... The, if you're so keen on travelling, why do you want to destroy the places you've been to? Isn't that just a bit stupid? Isn't that just a bit thick? Isn't that just a bit small wonder nobody likes you? Do you not think, you know, all this uh, we saw, you know, oh, no, we just want to be accepted in the community, and then you go and desecrate with 50 tonnes of rubbish. What, are you thick or something? Small wonder the council get, but the council don't do anything. And then somebody threatens him, goes, you know, to the Daily Mail photographer, I'll push your camera through. I thought, go on, try it. Back in prison, and they go, I'm not afraid of going to prison. Of course you're not, love. Of course you're not. Of course you're not. It's not big and clever, is it? You're a bit stupid. Dreadful, really. Dreadful. Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. 109 million tonight. Is it really? 109 million. <gasps> God, what could you do with that? You could do a lot of good, couldn't you? Oh, you could have an absolute field day. I'd have to change the Paddington film. It's now Paddington the Omen. He looks really scary. He looks like one of the meerkats. As Darren in Southampton said, no, Paddington is short, cuddly, and he's got his hat on, and he's Paddington. The one who's portrayed in this latest film looks evil. It is not Paddington. I don't care what anybody says. If that's their idea of Paddington, 
Somebody needs to go around and shake Michael Bond up and go, look what they've done to your character. They've ruined him completely. Absolutely ruined it. Dreadful. Dreadful pictures. I totally agree with you, Darren. He said it do- does look like that creepy meerkat thing you mentioned yesterday. Exactly. Looks like a creepy meerkat. There's a, a little boy in the paper today, and his name is Aaron Tosh. He was very grateful, Aaron, that his aunt survived breast cancer, so he decided to raise money for charity. 13 years old, he started busking for cash, and he planned a sponsored head shave. 13. But in a cruel twist of fate, he had no idea that he himself was critically ill. Last week, four months after setting up his appeal, he was diagnosed with a brain tumour after a problem was spotted in a routine eye test. He had urgent surgery to remove the growth the following day, but his condition worsened and he died on Saturday at the age of 13. At that time, donations to his appeal at justgiving.com stood at £750. They've since soared to nearly £12,000. It's very similar to Stephen, isn't it? When Stephen was diagnosed, and then those vile internet trolls were saying, oh, he doesn't even look ill at all. Perhaps he's just making it up. And here's a little boy, little Abby, who uh, his mother, Alison, described her son as an angel. That's where he is. So, told he had a brain tumour, five days later he's dead. But he raised some money, and so he did make a difference in his very short life. I, just, I asked that question again, don't I? I've asked it so many times, I begin to annoy myself now. Is there a God? If so, where is he? Is he actually watching anything, or is he just sort of, you know, perhaps he's fluffing up clouds or something? You sometimes wonder when a little boy dies and he gets a brain tumour, you know, I mean, what, what, what would be the reason for that? What would be the reason for that? And then somebody from some traveller site threatens a photographer, get off our land kind of thing. And you think, sorry, where is God again? You know, where's the thunderbolt and lightnings coming down? Bring back Abby, send off these other ghastly people who've dumped 50 tonnes of rubbish. All they do, they dump 50 tonnes of rubbish, then they move somewhere else. They move to a park down the road. Council must be sitting there going, oh, I don't know. You and I move into a park with a tent. I'll tell you what, try it yourself. Go and get a camper van, drive it into a, into a park... Set up home there. See how long before the police come down and move you on. Travellers, they stand there like lemons. They don't do anything at all. Absolutely nothing. Perhaps they're frightened. Perhaps they're frightened in case the travellers say, we know where you live. They're going to come round and beat your dog up. Or nick it. Uh, last weekend's triathlon Saturday at Blenheim Palace. Very enjoyable, despite the deluge, says uh, Gary. This Sunday, another triathlon at an equally nice venue, Petworth House in West Sussex. I know Petworth and I don't know why. I don't know why. Along with the uh, the Brownlee brothers. Fingers crossed this time for a dry morning. I think the weather... Uh, let me have a quick check on the the weather, because I'd, I'd like to sort of bring you the weather just to find out in case, in case we have uh, some decent sunshine. But I don't have the weather yet. That odd. Why don't I have the weather yet? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Am I missing it? Oh, it's there. Mainly dry, bright or sunny spells. Mainly dry. Is that OK? It's not as bright as it should be. Looking out the window, it's got that... Slight edge to it today. Slight edge. The building opposite that I look at, which is white stucco, is quite nice. But when it's a bit over... Mind you, it is ten to five in the morning. I woke up early last night. I went to bed early. Woke up at nine o'clock. It was still daylight. Still daylight outside. It threw me completely. I wonder whether I'd overslept. The day mostly dry with good sunny spells. Cloud will tend to increase more generally in the afternoon. Warm inland. Sea breezes keeping coasts cooler. How lovely if you're by the coast. If you live by the coast and you look out... Oh, oh how lovely. We're very jealous. Tonight, odd showers developing. Oh, I used my X-hose yesterday. You know my X-hose? Which I bought. Very interesting. It's where you, you turn on the tap... And the ex-host doubles in length. So I can now get from, from my kitchen window r- throughout the whole patio. 
and it goes from, I think, I mind, 75 feet, but it doesn't weigh anything, and then it stiffens up when you put the, uh, the water in, and, um, and then you just sort of, and it's fantastic. And then when you turn the water off, it shrinks back again. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. No, no kinks or anything like that in it, so I'm, I'm quite pleased about that. What did I pay for it? 52 quid or something? And I've bought, we've all bought hoses over the years, haven't we? God knows we've bought enough hoses. Roll-up hoses, flat hoses, thin hoses, hoses that are different colours, hoses that connect on an outside tap, inside tap, hoses that work with hot water, cold water, spray, rose, jetter water. So I went round and drenched everything yesterday, thinking it was going to be another hot day. So a nice bit of rain tonight would be good, so I'd be happy with that. Tomorrow... Cloudy and misty start with some rain or drizzle. Drier weather with bright or sunny intervals spreading from the east from mid-morning. Cooler than of late. And Sunday to Tuesday. God, we're that good now. We can do you Sunday to Tuesday. Should remain mostly dry and settled over the next three days with the best of any sunshine in the west of the area. Cool around eastern coasts. Cool around eastern coasts. Uh, Rick is in all the papers today. He died of, uh, of a cardiac event which means that he'd been out running and obviously the strain on his heart was uh, too much. Downton Abbey's Dame Maggie Smith has been made a companion of honour by the Queen because she's been from Miss Jean Brodie, Harry Potter, the First Wives Clubs, Downton Abbey, Sister Act, Room with a View. I mean, she is one of our little treasures. She is a little treasure. And the companion of honour, uh, founded in 1917, goes to other people. Some of the other people here, Lord Tebbit... You know, to be honest with you, I think they hand them out to politicians like the sweeties. Uh, Stephen Hawking, Sir David Attenborough, David Hockney, John Major got one. An affair with, you know, a woman, you know, for years and years and years. And we give him this this companion of honour. Very odd. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen's got one. Lord Coe's got one. And um, oh, and Dame Judi Dench. Oh, I'm pleased about that. I was a bit worried just in case. I didn't mention it too much in case Dame Judi hadn't got anything. And I like to think she's one of our national treasures as well. Although I did see an interview with uh, Ian McKellen. Who was he on? Was he on with Alan? It was a dreadfully boring interview. <laughs> it was quite dull, actually. Uh, people are fearing for Philip Schofield. I know he's hardly ever on my television. I find it ridiculous that he's not. A, but give him more shows, please. But he's plummeted, his weight. He's now having hallucinations. I know! He's imagining he's on the television all the time. Well, I'm certainly imagining. Uh, they say he's five foot eleven. Pfft. Is he really? Must be wearing very high heels. He's crashed down from twelve and a half stone to less than eleven in less than ten months. Well, how's that crashing down? It's not crashing down from, from twelve and a half stone to, uh, to eleven in less than ten months. He's on a strict five-two diet. I've no idea what that is, but I'm assuming it means that you fast two days a week and some people fear he's lost too much. He said, I saw a picture and thought I looked a bit porky. Really? God, I've never thought that. Never thought that at all. I wanted to be 11 stone. It took nine or ten months and now I am. My stomach is now so small I hardly have any appetite and I can't keep weight on. And people say, you're all right. Go on, blimey, I wish I could do that. But anyway, um... Um, he also fronts, apparently he's on, uh, as well as the, uh, the daytime programme, he does uh, All-Star Mr and Mrs, and uh, he's also done Alan Carr's Chatty Man. I don't know why. He must have a new programme coming up. Not another series of that ghastly The Box or something, is it? An All-Star Mr and Mrs, where most of them aren't. Some of them are just shacked. Who did they have the other day? David Hasselhoff, with some birdies going out with. They worked in a shop in Cardiff. And now she's taken on the airs and graces of somebody who, who anybody cares about. And so he was on... They're not married. How is it Mr and Mrs? I thought the idea... If it's Mr and... I mean, surely the clue is in the title of the programme. 
But uh, it was so much better when, when Fern was on it as well. Oh, dear, who's this one? It's a farmer who crippled a crook by hitting him with his 4 by 4 was cleared after telling how thieves tormented him for ten years. Oh, good for him. Dennis Tyndale left Michael Lewis, who has more than 100 convictions, paralysed from the neck down. Brilliant. Brilliant. A hundred convictions. This man's been terrorised for ten years. He admitted chasing three men he feared had threatened his wife, Corrine, but said the collision was an accident. He said, I couldn't avoid him. He was running to me as he hit the vehicle. Good. Well, there you go. Anyway, he'd suffered a break-in in 16 days earlier, one of nine incidents in three years. He was cleared of GBH and he said uh, they should have gone to court after Lewis, not me. Absolutely right. I'm sick to death of these crooks out there. As far as I'm concerned, you run into somebody's vehicle and you run over and die. That's your problem, isn't it? Shouldn't have been there in the first place. Uh, more on Dave Cameron turning up to this uh, restaurant the other night. Uh, also, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> what does she know about food? Lindsay Lohan? We are talking about the same person, are we? And here's the person with the world's biggest bottom. Really, Kim Kardashian. Have you ever seen such a wreck in your entire life? What a vacuous life. It must be awful, really. I can't wait until she gets old. And then they start worrying about it. There's a lovely little line in the paper today, in the Bazaar column, which, uh, which is, I just call it the press release bit in the paper, because they just pick up a press release. And watch out One Direction, they say. There could be some new favourites in the class of Simon Cowell. We can reveal that Britain's Got Talent winners Calabro have signed a record deal with Psycho. You're not stupid, are you, at the column? Every single act is signed to Psycho. Every single... They can't go anywhere else. I mean, you can't... Who are these people? Who are they? Caroline Maguire and... I don't know. It's Oh, no, no, it might actually be Liz, Leah and Jen. Leah and Jen. Jen O'Brien. Jen O'Brien? It's not O'Brien's wife, is it? No. She's called Lucy, isn't she? I think, yeah. And so, everybody's signed to Psycho. That's the whole idea about it. You can't go to any other record label. So they sort of make it out, and they say he's, he's, he's done it. He plans to turn the lads into a classical version of One Direction. Give it a year. Give it a year. They don't sell after Christmas. They won't be going any further. Definitely. A bit like James Arthur's career. A bit like James Arthur. It's finished. Finished completely. Didn't learn, the boy. Did not learn. But there again, I hate to say, I was right yet again. Plenty more to come on your final early morning breakfast show of the week. It's Friday the 13th. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast show. The weekend's very close now. It's almost with it. You can almost reach out and touch it. Harrison Ford's recovering in hospital after being injured on the set of the latest Star Wars movie in Buckinghamshire. He plays Han Solo at 71. He hurt his ankle when a door apparently fell on him. The recipe for a perfect retirement's been revealed. A survey's found most people want to stop working at 63. They'd like to live in a three-bedroom house, take two holidays a year and have enough money to spend £13,500 on top of the annual state pension. Oh, and of course, it's Father's Day on Sunday. Another waste of time and money for everybody. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's all next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday morning. It's the weekend. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can taste it. A study has found that many dads have a soft side, even if they deny it. 
Tried telling them down in Gunnersbury Park the other day. I don't think so. In fact, men's emotions are said to be twice as strong as women's, especially when they're shown heartwarming images. We were talking in the office the other day about a film, and O'Brien and I agreed on one thing, that Dead Poets Society was a fantastic film with Robin Williams, who plays a teacher in a boys' school, and that famous line, Captain, my captain, comes in. And uh, James's producer, Michael, hadn't seen the film, so I said, do you know what, I'm going to buy it for you. It's a gift. So I've bought him the film and hopefully it will arrive today and then he can watch it over the weekend. I'm all heart. All heart. And also it's one of those films, even O'Brien admitted to crying and weeping like a baby at the end of Dead Poets Society. Because it's such a good film. It really is. It's, it's one of those, it's what I call a feel-good film. It's a feel-good It's like watching certain television programmes. Nothing that involves anybody from anywhere's Essex, because they don't make you feel good. They just lo- You just look at them and feel a bit sorry for them that the lap-dancing club obviously closed early and they're out on the streets, because they're over in Marbella at the moment. And so they take pictures of them to try and feed it back home. Now, I've been to uh, Puerto Banus, and I've been to Marbella, and one of them over there is something called Danielle Armstrong. And they say she's leaving very little to the imagination in a plunging white bandage dress. Unfortunately, of course, if you go to Puerto Banus, they've got class. All the people there in Puerto Banus have boats. Uh, Danielle Armstrong, they must be looking at thinking, what in God's name is that? Perhaps they're making a porno film or something. It's just, it's appalling. She just looks cheap. And that's the trouble. If you go out to an area where you're not used to going to and you don't understand how the restaurants work, and Peter Stringfellow's got his boat out there, I think a couple of the cast of EastEnders have got boats out in Puerto Bonos as well, and they turn up in these dresses, they th- probably for Essex, they think they look great. Fantastic if you're propping up the bar in Sugar Hut on a Saturday night in Brentwood. But in Marbella, it just makes you look a bit cheap. And that's exactly what poor old Danielle Armstrong looks like. She looks cheap. Not half as bad, though, as Sam for here. Sam and her drippy sister were out the other night because Sam's launched perfume. Got a bit of perfume. It's nice, isn't it? I'm not sure if Joey Essex has got one or has he just got toilet duck. I'm not sure whether or not Sam for his has ever had a perfume before, but hers is called La Bella. La Bella. It'll be aimed at the cheap market. And uh, here she was at the at the venue. I mean, she looks... She doesn't look as though she's all there in the upstairs department at all. The dress doesn't suit her. It's a very bad choice of dress. The fake tan doesn't look so great. So she's holding a bottle of this, of this perfume, and they all bring it out. It's called Celebrity Perfumes. Unfortunately, when you look like Sam for here's, and she looks bad with makeup on, with it off, looks even worse. In fact, unrecognisable, we discovered a short while ago. And so you sort of look at her and you think... Do you think the public are really going to buy into this? I mean, I did know a few people who bought Jade Goody's perfume. I do know a couple of people who did buy... um, Who was the other perfume that they put... Oh, that's right. Um, uh, What's her name? There's been so many of these celebrity perfumes. Oh, Jordan brought a perfume out. But I can't remember if it was Katie Price who brought it out or if it was Jordan. I suppose Jordan, it would be cheap and trashy. And as Katie Price, it was even worse. I can't remember which one it was. But either way, they did buy it. I thought, oh, awful. She, of course, has appeared in OK magazine being being rude again because that's all she can be about. Not, not actually slagging off her husband, strangely enough, because uh, she's so desperately lonely she needs somebody to cling on to. And he is the father of her unborn child. But uh, she'll she'll never resist any opportunity to flog a, a naff story. And so she slagged off the woman who had an affair with her husband, little Kieran. Kieran, who doesn't appear to earn any money at all because he's a plasterer and a stripper. Oh, no, he's not stripping anymore. He got dropped by that. They didn't want any more bad publicity. 
So that was the interesting thing there. And you look at her, and she's as, she's as riddled with bile as she ever was before. And you think to yourself, you're just never going to find happiness, are you? You're going to be 75 and still sitting there being absolutely dreadful. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Sid reckons that there's um, uh, an M4 accident. Do you see that one earlier on? I shall push it up to our travel department, because uh, we can see the elevated section uh, on our cameras. Junction 1 and 2, uh, Brentford... And uh, we shall uh, we shall send that over up to the uh, to the department. And uh, is it Jay Louise this morning? And she'll have a she'll have a quick whiz on the cameras. Oh, she was so happy yesterday. She was so I must I must mention this very briefly because it's almost as if God was listening to this program. And at the end, because I was talking about crispy bacon rolls and everything else and sandwiches. What turned up yesterday in the a load of bacon rolls? So she came to me. She went. Some bacon rolls have been delivered. She said, would you like one? I said, I couldn't eat one, really. So she had a bacon roll. She was very happy yesterday. Very, very happy she got the bacon roll. It was almost as if God was listening to the programme, thinking, I'm going to send her in some bacon rolls. So everybody was eating bacon rolls. Is Petticoat Lane Market still running, says Chris? Do you know, I haven't got the faintest idea. That was the first market I got ripped off in, Petticoat Lane. And I, and I fell for it because I was young and naive, and I, I didn't realise that, uh, that people that people would cheat you in a market. I was, I was that naive. And it was... it was The, the rip-off was actually quite, quite simple. It was a man doing the same as they do at the mock auctions, only doing it in a market, and he was offering things in a bag, a little paper bag, and he put items in there, and he was trying to convince you they were worth money, and it obviously worked for me, because I bought into it. And on one of them, he said, look... And he, he, he said to this woman, he said, would you give me a, a fiver for what's in here? And she went... He said, trust me. He said, trust me. So she went, yeah. And so she gave him the fiver and he gave her the bag. I didn't realise at the time. She obviously worked for him because she opens the bag and there's this beautiful gold watch. It was like, wow, it's got a gold watch. Anyway, before you knew what was happening, he's got other things going out in bags. And goes, I didn't want to miss out. I wanted a gold watch too. I wanted a gold watch. I've got to go. I go for the gold watch, please. And so I got my little bag and I couldn't wait to it. And it was a horrible pink plastic thing. And I paid a fiver. I felt so disappointed because you bought it. You've done the transaction. And I then realised that at these mock auctions, you get people who rip you off and cheat you. All they want to do is part you from your money and people buy rubbish. <coughs> Jean says, missed you for a month as my radio broke. What, for a month? That's absolutely scandalous. I don't know how you can, uh, how you can say that. See, Bex is a legend. No, no, he's a legend, I'm afraid. I thought he'd come across quite depressed. If I Sorry, I thought he came across quite depressed. I'd be his mate. No, he'd call the police if you went anywhere near him. I think that's it. <laughs> so if anybody can tell me about Petticoat Lane Market, is it still running? Anybody tell us about that one? Because I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure. It might be. It could be. On the subject of uh, Jeremy Kyle, uh, Colin thinks that when he dies, there won't be many people at his funeral. Are you serious? There are loads of people at his funeral. That audience love him. Admittedly, they're all toothless. They're sort of dribble, but, you know, because they haven't got any teeth told anything in their mouth. But, though no, they love him. They like that kind of thing. They, they boo and hiss. It's like going along to the Colosseum. It's really like going to the Colosseum. People are baying for blood. The more depressed people get and the more people get and go, oh, I ain't talking to her, the more people love it. People absolutely adore that kind of thing. I mean, I actually... I actually get a bit annoyed with it, because I don't think it solves any problem, because they're all still as vile when the programme finishes as uh, as they did before. Uh, yes, I have seen, Tony, thank you very much indeed, this ridiculous thing that uh, these uh, 
disgusting people in uh, the only ways Essex are wearing. To be honest with you, I think if you wore it over here, I think you'd be prosecuted. I think that's... Have you, had you seen this before? The producer had never seen it before. I mean, only the silly little show-off that is Bobby Cole Norris and his boyfriend would dare to wear anything like this. We have sent the sympathy card to Bobby Cole Norris. Quite clearly, not a lot going on in the downstairs department. You know, and that's putting it politely. It's an embarrassment, I'm afraid. It's an embarrassment. But uh, there again, try wearing it over here. I think you'd find yourself arrested very, very quickly. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. This is, we read everything out on the programme. This is Harrison Ford. He's 71. He's still playing Han Solo. But mind you, I think the screen is very forgiving. But he was airlifted to hospital. He suffered a suspected broken angle. And that gets you an airlift in an an air ambulance. What's about with the normal ambulances? I'm going to push for an air ambulance next time. if If I break a foot, which I think is highly unlikely. And uh, he looked in a bad way as he clutched his chest in agony. You'd be clutching his foot, wouldn't you? Anyway, he should be okay. Beautiful game on. Who's this? This looks like uh, J Lo on stage last night, uh, doing her sort of dancing. Brazil very happy. All the England fans have been warned about alligators in uh, Manaus, piranhas, and quicksand. Don't want to go there, do you? Don't want to go there. I'm not, as I say, I'm not interested in the football anyway. Jennifer Lopez getting carnival atmosphere started during a, an incredible opening ceremony. You know what I found in my car the other day? I found the opening ceremony to the Olympics on DVD. Somebody had sent it in on DVD, and then I bought it anyway. Do you know, it was good. It was absolutely brilliant. I'd forgotten just how good it is. Just how good it is. Um, as Rick might say, thank you so much, but now off. Now that they've said he suffered an acute cardiac event after his usual early morning run. I think you get to a certain age and you shouldn't go for an early morning run. I don't... I mean, I I could do it if I chose to do it. But, uh, to be honest, between you and me and the gatepost, I'm not not fancying it. Still to come, Calamity May. Now it's free fast track. But I thought Cameron said there is no problem. Apparently, there is. 14 minutes past five. (laughs) 20 minutes past... Uh, no, it's not. It's 19 minutes past five. I'm probably positive about something. Uh, Rick says, I took my son to the lane, Petticoat Lane, as I remembered it from the 50s here in London, told him about the boxes of try-and-buy dentures and so on. Very disappointing. Soles of cheapo socks, underwear and general schmutter you get everywhere. Not really worth getting off the tube for. Oh, it used to be good. Years ago, you could get... What did they used to say? Was it sarsaparilla? Now, I never knew what sarsaparilla was. I just remember it cropped up in a cowboy film some years ago. And they talked about sars... I think Doris Day sung about sarsaparilla. And they used to sell it up there. They did gel... Oh, I saw a picture the other day on the television. They were looking back at something in the East End. And they were watching people eating jelly deals. I felt quite ill. I can't imagine why anybody would ever want to eat jelly deals. I'm sure it's an acquired taste. Fish and chips I can understand. Scampi I can understand. You know, prawns, not really. Winkles, mussels, not really. But jelly deals, the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like roll mop. Have you ever seen roll mop? Used to get that in fish and chip shops. Roll mop. Oh, it looked disgusting. It looked as though it was about to, you know, when you took the lid off the jar, it was about to attack you and drag you in there. I didn't like that at all. Apparently it's going every Sunday, says Howard. Petticoat Lane. But as we've just heard, it's probably... It's not the place it was. Not the place it was. Still in Turkey, says Junior. And the Coretta eggs are hatching. Temperature yesterday, 42 degrees. And it's going to be 50... 55 degrees in a few weeks. He said, I'm loving it. <laughs> not for me. I couldn't... I, it, I'm, I'm bad enough over here. 
I mean, I'm, I really am bad. It's very pretty, though, isn't it, over there? Very pretty sort of place. Producer's about to go off and sit in a paddy field on a house on stilts wearing a sarong, getting in touch with his feminine side. And he, goes, he does it every so often. He sort of travels around eating out of coconut leaves and sort of putting rice in there and rolling it up and making some interesting meal. And uh, he'll probably stop by the side of the road and squat, you know, on the ground and waiting for somebody to cook something for him. It's all very nice and exciting. Not for me, though. You know, I'm a hotel person. You know, is, is there a hand towel? Is there a, a dryer? Is there a free, a free goodie basket of things like a shower cap and a, and a sewing kit? Yes. Do I want to wear a sarong? No, I don't. You know, it's nice. I don't, I don't object to it. I've got other friends of mine who do similar things, and they just sit in the middle of a paddy field and stare at the sunset all day. I don't, I don't quite see the point of it, but I mean, it keeps them happy. Well, you know, why not? That's why he started running, you see. Started going on the, on the treadmill so he can try and get himself fit. So when he, when he puts the sarong on, he doesn't, doesn't look like the late Mama Cass. With it on, a bit, a bit fat and bloated. You want to look sort of trim, don't you? You'll be getting your hair cut before you go. You're going to keep it like that. I think wise. I'll stick a bandana on or something. Make it look more more interesting. You'll fit in so well in the middle of a paddy field, won't you? <laughs> 84850, steve at So They finally agreed that there is a problem with the passports. There is a problem. Theresa May yesterday scrapped fees for urgent passport renewals. What about the people who've paid the fee already? Will they get that money back? You remember the £55 they were asking for? Anyway, the Tory Home Secretary announced people with imminent travel plans would have the usual 55p charge waived. Those renewing from overseas will get an automatic 12-month extension, whilst people applying for children abroad will be given emergency travel documents. So, in other words, there's a huge problem. There is a huge problem. Half a million, we're told, backed up. Uh, She says there's no big bang solution. This is two days after ministers said there was no backlog of unprocessed applications. Why can't they just tell the truth? What is it about politicians? You know, how, do you, how can you tell when they're lying? Answer, their lips are moving. Their lips are moving. Yvette Cooper called it a sorry shambles. I would think that described it quite well. I think so. David in Hornsey says, Did you say, Steve, England fans are being warned about crocodiles at Manor House? No, no, it's a place in, in Brazil. They've got quicksand and everything. Oh, don't mind you. <laughs> Let's not tell them about that bit. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at LBC. The first uh, thing I saw entering Petticoat Lane were dogs on sale, says Tony, back in 1968. Really? There is an animal market, isn't there, in London? I seem to remember. There's a flower market. I'm sure there's an animal market as well. Isabel from the North, an avid listener for six years, is White D bringing out a perfume. I just, you know, I, I couldn't care. If, if I read she'd emigrated to a paddy field in the middle of Malaysia, I'd be more than happy. Perhaps she could turn up and help you. Perhaps she could be a travel guide. No? Well, it's only a thought, actually. Uh, I bet they'd welcome, says Malcolm Gemma Collins in that restaurant. She'd eat a month's supply of food in one sitting. About a year's supply, judging by the size of her at the moment. Did you see her in a bikini kind of thing the other day? Oh, dear me. That was, that was a bit scary for everybody. Even the people of Marbella are going, so, who are these people? And they go, they're in some cheap programme over here. That's why they're a bit cheap. Uh, read the idiots exposing themselves in this howie-towie swimwear. Uh, says Jackie, uh, to see the amazing swimming trunks worn by a couple of the men on the show, utterly ridiculous. She's on the night shift in the lab. I mean, I've never seen like it, but there again, they're both uglies. So it kind of fits, doesn't it? Ugly bodies. I mean, just really disgusting. But there again, no shame. So when the whole thing finishes and they become just very ordinary. I mean, Harry Durbridge was always very ordinary and just a little bit drippy. Bobby Cole Norris, equally drippy, I'm afraid. But I mean, it's just... Just disgusting. Really just disgusting. Uh, So Petticoat Lane is still running, but apparently, according to what you're saying, 
it's not as good as it used to be. Oh, look, there's an interview with Colleen Rooney. <laughs> Here she is. What they're trying to do is diffuse Helen Wood, who's in the Big Brother house. And uh, she says, when England get knocked out, this is what she said, when we get knocked out, we'll go on a holiday for three weeks, we'll all need a break. Such a tough life, isn't it, love? I don't know, you've coped with it. That shopping must be exhausting for you. And so here she is with the husband with a shredded wheat on his head. And he's still with her at the moment. Uh, it's nice, though, because she's, she's known as the doormat. Why is it that the wives of footballers always put up with their husband's little misdemeanours? Answer, because what else are they going to do? She hasn't got nobody else to hang around with. You've seen some of her, her chavvy friends. She says, I think I'm down to earth. Oh, you so are, dear. You're so queen of the chavs. You're, you're, you're more down to earth than we even imagine. Even imagine. But anyway, she's been working out with a beefy personal trainer and she's ready to hit Brazil's beaches. God. So ghastly, isn't it? She's five foot two inches tall. Five foot... I mean, to be honest with you, you could dig a hole in the sand and she could fall in it and you'd never never find her again. She could disappear, couldn't she? She says um, she doesn't like the dreaded penalty shootout. Oh, interesting, isn't it? But anyway, she's teamed up with uh, a fabric conditioner. Have you noticed they all team up with something? A fabric conditioner, I ask you. That's the best she can get at the moment. That's Colleen, what's she got? Fabric conditioner. Mind you, hilarious. There is a, there is a new reality show, and I've, I've lost the details of it. And it's got Sarah Harding in it. Sarah Harding is going into this reality show. Because, again, she can't... Because she's singer, actress, no... Um, girl about town, not really. DJ, not really. She's not really anything, actually. So she's going to a reality show, I think, called Tumble, where she'll learn to tumble. I thought she was very good in the early part of her career, tumbling in and out of clubs, tumbling off the pavement, falling in and out of rehab. I thought that was fairly funny. We all laughed at that bit. And now she's looking old and haggard, and she can't get any work, uh, because nobody's treating her as an actress. They're, she was in the St Trinian's film. You know, I saw it. Please. <laughs> don't do it again. It's far too embarrassing. Uh, but she, she plays up to it. You're not a big star. No, you're not. Just because people take your picture, dear, it doesn't mean you're a big star at all. So she's having to do this programme, Tumble, which is so they can put people through circus skills. OK, so she can learn to tumble, as if. And, and they say, this could be the show that, that everybody watches like Strictly Come Dancing. I don't think so. I don't think so, I'm afraid. I really don't think so. Uh, what do we have here? Oh, yes, uh, Clemmy Moody talking of Twitter the Day. And Twitter the Day is Katie Price. Yes, she's done a round of former friend bashing. So it was about time she laid into Jane Poutney again. You can't have uh, forgotten that Jane slept with Kieran's husband... Uh, sorry, with Katie's husband, Kieran, here and afterwards known as that very stupid man, uh, prompting Katie to announce she'd divorce him. Just a reminder, Katie began yesterday, Jane Poutney is an ugly tramp and a home wrecker. I mean, it's, she's such a class act, isn't she? You can only laugh at the sheer stupidity. That's why she's twit of the day. She posted what can only be described as an unflattering picture to accompany her rant of, of Jane. Whereas the rest of us are just laughing, Katie. We're laughing at you. You know, you really can't keep your man, can you? I wonder why he strayed. Is it because, as everybody says, you really are that dull at home? Is it because you really are that boring? Is it really because you've got nothing to talk about apart from yourself? Kind of take a reality check. Unfortunately, the people around you are a little bit sycophantic. It's a bit like surrounding the royal family. They don't actually say anything positive to you, which would help you, because you do need help. You do need help. You need help to because you're never going to find anybody. You're never going to be happy. You're always going to be little Miss Misery. But it's great, actually. Sarah Harding, more like tumbleweed, says Chris in Manchester. Yes, she's a bit tumbleweed. Little bit. 
the animal market used to be in Club Row off Bethnal Green Road, says Kevin the Milman. Back in the 50s and 60s, that's what I was thinking of. Club Row. They had dogs in cages and cats and everything. Of course, they have a similar one in China. Only there for eating. They have the animal market, which they did on the television. This is the one I told you about, where I sat there going, oh, my God, all these animals are there. And I remember years ago being in Hong Kong and somebody going past us on a little scooter with um, a bamboo pole over their shoulder. And at the end of the bamboo poles, all these live chickens, all tied together with their feet, just hanging upside down. And they have them all in the cages in the animal market as well. And they had everything from tortoises to snakes to rabbits. I mean, everything. If it moves, it's edible, I suppose. That's the way they look. For us, it's different over in the West, isn't it? We always think, oh, look, kitten, pet. Kitten, cute. Dog, cute. They think, dog, food. Kitten, food. Cat, more food. You know, terrapins there. You know, terrapins put their heads back in their shells again when somebody sort of goes for them. No, Chinese just pull them out again and then sort of start. I, I mean, I couldn't eat things like that. I have seen in Chinese restaurants, a friend of mine went into Chinatown the other day, and he said it was lovely, so I was going for crispy duck, he said, and I kind of went off it, because the ducks are hanging in the window with their heads on. I said, I know. Different when they appear on the plate, isn't it, really? Apparently, Spitalfields Market, near Liverpool Street Station in London, is fabulous, says Marcia. Everything, great food hall. Do like a good food hall. Clothes, designer, retro, shoes, records. Wow. I wanted to buy a jukebox the other week. I might start contemplating a jukebox. Got nowhere to put it, but I'm I'm thinking about winning the hundred and five million pounds on the lo- hundred nine million hundred nine million pounds on the lottery tonight. I could buy a jukebox then, couldn't I? I'd have it in the studio. We could have sort of Steve's play of the day. That'd be worth uh, worth going for. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. We've everything in. Time now is five thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. Friday. Oh, look, the sun has come out. The white stucco building is bathed in golden lights. How lovely. No, it's cataracts again. No, it's no, it's nice. Really, it's, it's, it means it's going to be a nice day today. Elton says, I've been listening for years. How long have you been at LBC? Week? Week and a half? I don't know. Something like that. I never count years, actually. It's too embarrassing, isn't it? And somebody says, my early morning trip to Heathrow with you on DAB and with Passport. I have a renewal of one pending. I need it for my job. Well, if you're going to fly, if you're going to the airport, it would be a good idea, wouldn't it, to have a passport? Lots of people will get there and suddenly realise that the passport is either out of date or they picked up the wrong one. My passport is up to date for the next ten years, which is good. Uh, Dale says Steve Allen does it all from 4am and he doesn't hold back. Can't afford to hold back, goodness sake. There's competition out there. I'm like a black cab driver. I relish the competition. I relish the competition. I'd bring it on, I say. Listen, if you can find a programme that's more lively than this at this time of the morning, stick with it. Stick with please, honestly. I can, I can afford to shed a few. Well, just two of you. I'll, the rest of you, I'll, I'll let you know a little bit later on. Uh, every Sunday morning, in case you're a new listener, I have In Conversation. This is between five, this is relatively late, between five and six a.m. on Sunday morning, repeated... Sunday evening between 9 and 10, it's Steve Allen's In Conversation. Then I'm here live on Sunday morning from 6 till 8, just before Kay Burley and Stig. I saw Stig the other day, actually. He came to our little Rage R meeting, which was quite nice. Unfortunately, he came and sat next to me and kind of ruined my day. But anyway, it doesn't neither here nor there. It's just that he's so big and he takes up quite a lot of room. Whereas I'm sort of a little slight person and I don't take up much room and I'm sort of hemmed into the corner. I'm not moaning about it in any way, shape or form. So, so I've got In Conversation on Sunday morning. This week... 
Two fantastic guests, both ladies of comedy who found fame in well-renowned comedy acts. Uh, first up, one half of French and Saunders. She's also an actress and writer. It's Dawn French, and she told me about her daughter's love life. No, actually, <laughs> my daughter has not brought home uh, boys that do that, because my daughter is the greatest... She's a sort of... Are they basset hounds that sniff things out? Basset hounds, Yeah, yes. she's a kind well, of... terriers do. She, yes, she's a mixture of both of that, mm. because... She can sniff out a disingenuous person at a oh, hundred right. paces. She's not at all interested in anybody who is interested in fame. Oh, good. That is not what she likes at all. Ooh. And she's well placed to find, you know, those people. Yeah. And she's experienced them in the past in exactly the way you're describing. And she doesn't want anything to do with anyone like oh, that. Oh, what a wise girl. No, she is. What she's a wise extraordinary. Person. She because she's got a healthy disrespect. For show business. Yes. Um, <laughs> which I hope I've helped her with. Well, you've been good because you haven't, you know, she's not been exposed to too much. She might know some of your show business friends, but uh, but you haven't pushed her into show business. No, like absolutely not. She would have no interest in that at all. Is that strange? Yeah. Well, no, it's not. It's normal, isn't it? Well, do we always do the job our parents do? No, we don't. that's all you know what they do. You sort yeah. of think, oh, I'll do that. I've spoken, I spoke to one of the Fox family the other day. <clears> There's a whole dynasty <laughs> of foxes, you know, they're all in it. Oh, Lawrence all Fox. the actors. All the actors. Mm. And that must be a bit difficult. You know, I've decided to be a market trader. What? We're an acting family. <laughs> Become an actor. Well, I suppose... The thing is, acting is such a strange job that I suppose if it's in your home, it normalises it enough for you to consider it as mm. a job. Most people wouldn't even stop to consider it because it's so odd. And how do you go about it? And what's the route yes. into it? You know, it's, it's, a, it's an odd thing. It certainly is. They are the lovely Dawn French. She'll be with us this Sunday morning for In Conversation. Uh, joining her is uh, another comedy actress, the so-called Seventh Python. It's Carol Cleveland. Now, Carol has recently released her autobiography called Pom Poms Up. And she told me the other day about the moment she learnt that the Monty Pythons were coming back to take their show to the O2 Arena. I wasn't expecting this call. I was, and uh, I do, I used to have a very avid American fan who, who was, it, it became a little bit dodgy. I think if he'd been on this side of the ocean, he would could have been a stalker yes. so uh and, and his name was eric um uh, so <laughs> when he said eric i said eric who i don't know and i was quite relieved but then i thought why is eric re and i said yes and i, and I thought what well, has to be something to do with python why yeah. is he would ring and when he said we're, well we're going to be doing something and i immediately thought film it has to be a film and then when he said we're going to do the show i said the show he said yes we're going to do the show yes, the I, show i, I what said what what where uh, at the o2 arena I, what? The O2? The O2 Arena? I said, but that's big. That's huge. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I was astounded. But I had to keep stum. He said, because Couldn't they, tell anybody. they were waiting till the big press launch. And he said, so keep it under wraps. And so I was dying to tell my friends. I oh, Carol, how lovely. But it's been such an exciting... I mean, and we start rehearsing next week. Next week. They, they, uh, uh, Terry, Terry Gilliam said to me, said, we're not going to rehearse till the week before, he said, because we want to keep it fresh. He yes. Said we want to, he said, if we It'll do it fresh. too far in advance, it's going to be very fresh. Yes, yes. So you presumably, without giving too much away, you've already got the scripts oh, and everything else. Oh, got scripts, else. which have kept changing. <laughs> exactly, yes. because they're like that. Yes. And as I said at the beginning, some people are taking other people's parts because I'm Graham one of Chapman. Them. You're one of them. I'm, I'm doing one of Graham's sketches. You're doing one of Miss, Graham's? Mrs. I'm now Mrs. Bunn in the spam sketch. <laughs> there you go. And more from Carol Cleveland this coming Sunday. Pom Poms Up is her autobiography. So uh, do join... Dawn, Carol and myself, 5am Sunday morning, repeated 
on Sunday evening between nine. So I creep in just after Clive Bull and just before Duncan Barks. Well, I didn't see yesterday, but he did text me yesterday. He likes to keep up. The stupid thing is, I ha- because I haven't put him into my phone, every time the number comes up and I look at the thing, he'll go, so how's everything going? And I then have to check back and see who it is before I start rep- I might be replying to the wrong person. Don't make that mistake, do you? I've done that before now. I've had conversations with people on the phone going, hello, hello. I have it halfway through the conversation, I'm thinking, who in goodness name is this person? Who is this? I don't know half the time. I don't know. Uh, this is the, uh, the mother of Martha Fernback in all the papers today, and she wants, the, she wants to legalise ecstasy. I absolutely do not want to legalise ecstasy at all. Uh, her daughter suffered a cardiac arrest because, as I explained at the very beginning of the programme, some people... And you'll all remember some of the uh, the highlighted cases of parents who put their daughter's pictures up after they've died onto newspapers so they can say, this is a warning not to take drugs. And we've seen people on the floor with syringes in their arms and it doesn't stop people taking drugs. This girl must have seen some of these images over the years and know, known about the dangers of taking drugs because you might have something in your body. She suffered a cardiac arrest. Other people might have taken exactly the same substance and done nothing at all. Nothing would have happened to them. It's, it's like playing Russian roulette. If you choose to put drugs in your body which are illegal, and, uh, and the mother in showing an incredible naivety to say, my girl wanted to get high, not die. Well, quite clearly. But then she shouldn't have taken it in the first place. She shouldn't have gone anywhere near it. You know, I wouldn't... If somebody said to me, oh, would you like to take an extras? Not in a million years, thank you very much, Neil. I value my life. I want to live. If, if somebody can only get their jollies by sticking an illegal substance into their body, I feel incredibly sorry for them. So we must definitely never, ever legalise ecstasy. But she says here, we must start a sensible dialogue for a change. She wants to meet Theresa May. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. There is no chance. I mean, this one was 91% pure compared to the average street-level purity of 58%. What are you going to do? Have the government sort of so- sorting it out for you? I mean, because, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, to find something that's 91% purity, I should imagine, would be a rarity. Cocaine, I'm told, is cut down with rat poison, tranquilizers, all sorts of strange things. Nobody's got no idea what pure cocaine is. You'd be flat on your back dead, I should imagine. But uh, anyway, this, this girl um, fell over. She was sweating and overheating. She took the drug, fell over, banged her head, started bleeding, later collapsed and stopped breathing, rushed to hospital where she was pronounced dead an hour after first collapsing and the coroner recorded a conclusion of accidental death. I mean, I can't say it and impress any more. Don't take drugs. If you go into a club and somebody offers you drugs, why would you seriously want to put something into your body that you've got no idea where it came from, how it was manufactured? Why would you want to risk it like that? Every, every day there are people slumped over machines downstairs, you know, on the pavement, and you look at them and you think, are you dead? Are you drugged? What is it? Are you drunk? I don't know. Apparently, chimichurri, says Margaret, is a very hot dressing with red peppers in it. It's been around forever. It was used in Argentina on their uh, asados, which is the barbecue, when I was there nearly half a century ago. Nothing posh like today's chefs pretend. Oh, so chimichurri, a hot dressing with red peppers. This is, is, is this posh restaurant where Dave Cameron went the other night, where they've all been the Beckhams. Do you think David Beckham would have? I said, uh, chimichurri? Do you think he'd better come back with, oh, Steve? Or do you think he, he wouldn't have the faintest idea? Do you think Cheryl Cole knows anything about food? Uh, Why, have they got any deep-fried potato skins? No, they haven't got anything like that, love. It's a posh restaurant. If you get the jukebox in the studio, says Kevin the Milkman, I could supply you with some of my group singles. Then you and the producers could start your own mosh pit. Now, that's the way to start the day. (laughs) 
We don't even know what that is. <laughs> We're laughing. We don't know what it is, I'm afraid. You better be in on Monday on DAB, Steve, because I'm off to Plymouth. Well, depends whether I win the £109 million pounds tonight. £109 million. Pounds. It's nice, isn't it? I'm trying not to tell too many people. Because I think if I tell too many people, they might go and buy a ticket. It might sort of push my ones a bit further into the distance. And uh, I could do with winning it. Not for any particular reason, apart from I'd just like to be a, a benefactor. I would, I would want to be a benefactor and sort of help lots of charities out. I would like to do that. That would keep me quite happy. I could do that. You could do, go, today I'm going through the papers. Oh, I found somebody who deserves some money, like that little lad of 13 who started raising money because his aunt had breast cancer. And then he developed a tumour. And within five days of him starting to fundraise, he was dead. And that I would like to go, do you know, let's send them £20,000, you know, just to make a difference. Just to make a difference. And assuring me of a place in heaven, I think. So here is the hotel. Oh, I'll have to tell you about this hotel in a moment. Uh, the hotel boss, he's been dubbed the Basil Faulty, has been jailed. He turned his decrepit seaside hotel into a death trap. Where was it? Blackpool. Arrest my case. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Seven minutes to six is the time. It's two. I did laugh. Sam for here's at the launch of her perfume. I say the launch of her perfume. Just something that's got. It's a box with her name on it. Whether she had anything to do with it is uh, probably uh, best left to the imagination. And uh, she said, I, th- "I think, I think, I fancy doing a chat show now." She said, "I see myself as a chat show host." I thought, "Don't hold your breath for that one. Don't hold your breath." But I do love the story, and it does pose the question again: What would you do? This is some documentary makers, a TV crew. They were making a documentary about bailiffs. Of all people. You know we love bailiffs on this programme. Don't care where you are. Top of the country, down in the middle. I don't really care. Bailiffs, we love bailiffs. And so they go to a flat in East London new, some new, uh, by some new builds in the Docklands. And they start filming and they find uh, a wooden box. So quite clearly, you know, being interested filmmakers, they open the wooden box. What do you think was inside? What do you think was inside? Come on. Money. was inside. How much money? Ten pounds. No. Five million dollars. Five million dollars! I'd have turned the cameras off and been out of that building so fast. Turn the, turn the cameras off, please. Quick, 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 quick. Put the money in your pocket. Run, run. Five million dollars. Uh, officers were executing a warrant to recover money. A man aged 29 was arrested on suspicion of money laundering. Five million dollars! And they've got a picture of it in the Metro today. About the only paper that's running with a picture of it. I thought that was the, that was the, uh, the, best, the best thing about it. Best thing about it. Absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. They've got a, um, a th- I always love their 60-second intro today, 60-second uh, Metro interview. Uh, this is with David Gandhi. They say he's Britain's most famous male model. He's not really. That's just a self-appointed title. And uh, his big break came in a Dolce & Gabbana advert. And that's what he's famous for. Oh, and I think he went out with Kelly Brook. But there again, I mean, everybody's been out with Kelly Brook, so that's not, uh, not such a big thing. And... Um, they say, you've become quite the British fashion ambassador, was he? I wasn't aware of that. It uh, obviously sounds like he's, uh, he's promoting some clothing range, which, of course, he is. So not really an ambassador, more sort of self-opinionated, I suppose. But he's a famous male model. You could walk past him in the street, you wouldn't know who it was. You really wouldn't. I've been to some of these parties where they had at, uh, at hospital, they had a big thing with all the models. And you could tell some of the younger ones, because they look, they've got these chiselled features. I see a lot of myself, you know, that kind of thing. There's a couple whose dream wedding turned into a nightmare when they fell ill have won a payout from Thomas Cook. Terry and Keeley Ford paid £8,300 for a two-week luxury break to marry in the Caribbean. But hours after saying, I do, 
Mrs Ford fell violently ill, leaving her bed-bound for days. Another six members of the wedding party, including the groom, was also struck down by the bug. The couple from Birmingham also endured a hurricane that caught... Fl- I'm sorry to laugh, but it just said, you know, catalogue of disasters. I got ill with food poisoning on Gran Canaria. And I remember being in bed, and because it's so hot over there normally, they don't really have thick blankets on the bed, so I've got a little thin sheet. I was so ill, I poured the vodka away down the toilet. Seems to re- I feel like going back and draining the whole sewage system now to get it back. But at the time, I felt so ill, I didn't have the strength to do anything. I was sweating profusely. So, having had this violent ill and being bed-bound, then they get, then they get the flash flooding on their wedding night. In the, you know, really, you know, when they say, did the earth shake? Did it ever? Did it ever? Apparently, childminder Mrs Ford says she was served barely cooked meat during their stay at the all-inclusive Milia Caribe tropical hotel in 2009, causing her to fall ill. She said it was a holiday we'll remember for all the wrong reasons. It was awful when everybody fell ill. And uh, Claire Pearson of the law firm Irwin Mitchell, who represented the family, said the trip was ruined because of the illness. And uh, Thomas Cook said the health and safety of customers is of paramount importance. So how much have they won as a payout, do you think? 50 grand. It's not bad, is it? 50 grand. That'll come out of the insurance policy. £50,000. Wow. Lot of money. Lot of money. Um, other stories in the paper today. I'm trying to find something of, um, something of interest to you about uh, McBusted. Because a cheeky fan almost broke through security to gain access to the McBusted boys. Rocker James Bourne has revealed... Rocker James Bourne. He wrote this musical that was at the back here, James Bourne. He'd be a good in conversation. He'd be a nice person to talk to. Anyway, he's 30 now. I don't think it's possible. How can these people be 30? It's just not right, is it? He told a magazine, we had this one girl who actually blagged her way through and said she had a coffee order to get backstage. She knew the name of our old busted manager. If she'd known the name of our manager now, she would have made it through, which is scary. She fell at the last hurdle because of that name. It shows you people can get through security or they can try. Everybody in the band drinks coffee, so it was a feasible story. (sighs) It's, it's funny, isn't it, that they, they, they almost want all the adulation from the fans. The moment the fans try to get to them, they kind of, they back off a bit. Don't come anywhere near us. We're not really into that at all. Uh, Glenn says, well, before your time, I know, <laughs> but do your more senior listeners remember the stallholder in the early 70s that sold dinner services and did so by gathering the plates into the crook of his arm and throwing the lot in the air, proving how, how robust they were. I remember that. I remember that. This man used to be able to assemble a whole dinner service on his arm. And he would have all the dinner plates, then the next plates and everything else. He'd have it all balanced on his arms, all blended in there. And then he'd throw it up in the air and catch it again. But my favourite were the towels. He used to love the towel people. Because they'd say, OK, don't go anywhere, love. Don't go anywhere. Look, two bath sheets. And he'd take out these huge bath sheets. Egyptian cotton. Two, you know, bath this and two, that, the flannel, all the rest of it. Hold up. 20 quid. Give me tw- oh, give me 20 Ten. Give, give me ten. Before you know where you are, I'm like bidding for towels. I'm like caught up in the whole... I didn't even have a bathroom. I'm getting caught up in the whole thing. And it's, I used to love that. And I used to love the sweet man as well. Now the sweets are all in pound bags, which I suppose is easy. It takes forever to assemble all the stuff out there. But the towels I used to love. I bought my brother a set of towels. They were fakes. They were fake towels. But they, they were fake... Um, um, uh, who's that big... Everybody, everybody fakes. It's got the key design that goes all the way... Versace. And they were, I knew they were fakes. And I did, I did buy them. I didn't think they were genuine. But they came in pink, green, blue, and all the key stuff round them was all in gold. So I, I bought them. I bought, I bought a set and I gave it to, to some friends of mine. I think I gave some to my brother. They were really nice. 
They were really, really nice. I like stuff like that. I love going to markets. I'm fascinated by the rubbish they sell. I'm fascinated by how much of it I appear to have at home as well. But I do remember the plate man. I remember the plate. I like the meat men. Have you seen the meat men down at Northfield Market? There are about three or four meat lorries. They'll go, it, it, does anybody want 50 quid's worth of steak for a tenner? The cow's, like, tied up at the back, you know, going, oh, my God, it's my turn now. 84850, steve at uk. Um, John says, thought we'd take our annual trip to Malta now during the World Cup to get away. Arrived yesterday, only to find the place is football mad. So, Steve, no getting away from it. At least we can rely on you. Yes, you won't find football on this programme. You can go to the LBC website and it's on there, but not on this programme. I don't, I don't follow it. I could probably have a conversation with the boss about football and manage to bluff my way through it. In fact, I think I probably could bluff my way through. But I'm, I'm not prepared to risk it before the weekend. Uh, the new Costco at Western International is coming along nicely, says Winnie. Looks like it won't be long till it opens. I think you should do the grand opening, seeing as you're a local celebrity and a, and a devotee. Yes, I could be considered a devotee, couldn't I, really? Uh, some drugs are only illegal because the government decided they should be, says Helen. Yeah, that's why they're illegal. It's, you know, every, you know, it's like, you know, murdering people is illegal, you know, but it's because somebody has decided. It doesn't make them dangerous or bad for you. Don't be so stupid. Don't be so stupid. Dear God in heaven, honestly, there speaks a druggie. There speaks a druggie. Uh, Ian says, I recently went to uh, Chengdu in China. They tend to eat all parts of the animal. It was a real struggle to find anything sensible to eat. Yeah, the panda sanctuary is cute out there, isn't it, in Chengdu? They're, they're very successful at breeding pandas, contrary to what some people think. Very, very successful. Um, apparently, <laughs> Ian says, Susanna Reid's joined the Tumble reality show, tumbling down the ratings with very little effort. Yes, I mean, I think they'd have to be very desperate if she did a reality show. But it's Sarah Harding, so that's about as desperate as it gets. And the animal market in Club Row was closed down many years ago. There used to be one in Southall, somebody told me. Used to be an animal market there where you could go out and buy animals. I suppose if you wanted to buy animals, I mean, where do you go now? If you if, if you wanted to buy a dog, I mean, I would go to Battersea Dog and Cats Home because I would want to give an animal a, a new start. Because some of them sit there. But the last time I went, and I think pictures still on the LBC website, it's mainly staffs, staffies down there, and I don't really want a staffy. I know that you know people tell me that they're really lovely. I just, I just, they don't have that warmth factor. As far as I, well, unless their jaws are clamped round your neck, no. Uh, but I, I just, I just don't. I'm looking for something a bit different. I don't know what I'm looking for. If I was going to have a dog, I'm, I'm not going to have one because I think it's cruel if you're working early in the morning. The dog's got to sit at home and sort of wait with its legs crossed till you get back so it can go out to the toilet. So I don't know. But I, I definitely go and look for rescue dogs before I went to. I wouldn't go to a breeder. I definitely wouldn't go to a breeder. I go on people's recommendations, and the recommendation would be get a rescue animal. They're far more grateful. And they, they're sitting there and they, and they want people to go and rescue them. I'll probably do the same for cats. But if you were going to buy a gerbil or mite, where would you go to? You know where you go to now? Garden centres. Garden centres have pet areas. And, and they sell things like rabbits and they sell things like guinea pigs and they sell fish. But I think fish are a bit boring. So if I was, if I was going to go for something, I, um, I'd definitely go to Battersea Cat and Dogs Home. That, that would be the place for me, I think. Uh, you mentioned something about penalty shootouts at this World Cup nonsense, which is going to clog up our screens, says David, for goodness knows how long. I don't see why they can't do this shootout lot right at the start. It would save all that running about by these obscenely overpaid blokes, and the damn thing would be all over in five minutes. Then we could have a, a nice Judy Garland or a Doris Day film on the television instead. By the way, he said you mentioned Doris and Sarsaparilla. She didn't actually sing about it, but orders it in the bar of the Golden Garter. The film is 61 years old. I've lost count of the number of times I've seen it. And Howard Keel was gorgeous too. 
So there you go. It's the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. But if you don't like football, you're going to be uh, you're going to be suffering for a little while yet. Still plenty more to come on your Friday early morning breakfast show from LBC with Steve Allen. I'm here till six. Th- it's your bones. They're still bad, aren't they? I so worry about you. I was, I was going to bring some WD-40 in for her. So give her a quick oiling before... I thought it sounds bad. I'm so sorry. Take it all back again. Lisa Aziz is here with the morning news at 6.30. Nick Ferrari with breakfast from seven. The Mail pictures William Hague with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie at a rape summit in London. Dave and Samantha Cameron leaving Downing Street for a celebrity restaurant as it criticises the Prime Minister and his foreign staff for focusing on matters other than the crisis in Iraq. And Harrison Ford makes the papers. He's still in hospital. He was crushed by falling scenery. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Five past six. It's the weekend. You can, you can smell it. You can if you're down here, actually. I don't know why it is. It's, uh, but anyway, the sunshine is coming through the windows. It looks beautiful. It's going to be a nice day. For me, of course, another day of misery in the sunshine, which I hate. It's not that I'm miserable about sunshine. It's just it doesn't really sort of sit with me at all. Harrison Ford makes the front page of The Sun rush to hospital after being crushed by fallen scenery. Apparently a door on one of the Millennium Falcons fell out. They don't make Millennium Falcons like they used to, did they? Uh, that's why they're filming the new Star Wars movie in Buckinghamshire. Will we see it? Of course we will. We like Star Wars. David and Samantha Cameron going out to a celebrity restaurant. It's the same place that Cheryl Cole's been seen eating. I'd rather go somewhere else. And we found the £5 million car park of shame. Yes, the £5 million car park of shame. What can it possibly be? It's impounded supercars. Belonging to drivers who couldn't be bothered to insure them. And of course, it's so much simpler now for the police because they drive along in unmarked cars and it pings up. They've got this number plate recognition. It pings up and they can tell if you've got insurance, if, you know, who the driver is. They want to know everything about it and it's all on the central computer. Before it wasn't. And it was very easy for new drivers to cheat the system. And the system was that you could buy your insurance monthly. Monthly. So people would go out, they'd buy, right, so I'll take it out, I'll take out a year, and they pay the first month, and then they stop paying, but they've got the policy. And so they would show that to the police, who didn't have the technology at the time, and they say, there, I've got insurance. They go, oh, sorry about that. You, go, you have got insurance, you're quite right. The fact they hadn't paid for it, now it comes up on the computer. Every single thing is registered. Every time my car is MOT'd, it's got a barcode. That barcode is swiped, goes into the central computer. So if the police are sitting behind me, they can tell if I've got insurance and MOT. They can probably even tell my name, I should imagine, as well. So here is the car park of shame. Scotland Yard have impounded, since October 2011, so a few years back, 100,000 uninsured vehicles. And uh, the idea, in the last 12 months alone, they have seized 39,000 vehicles between them. Last November, a six-litre Bentley Continental GTC was seized in Bromley from an uninsured driver. A month before that, a £400,000 Lamborghini was taken off the road when the motorist insurance company was found not to cover such an expensive car. Uh, uninsured drivers face six penalty points and a £300 fine. And so they've got... Uh, so what they will do is they will they will sell them. This, this Lamborghini is lovely. I would never have a Lamborghini. 
I, re- I mean, I'm, not, I'm luckily I'm not actually a car person, but uh, but there's a Bentley they say for high rollers who like to travel in style. Trouble is, it's in the wrong colour. It's in the sort of sea blue sort of colour. Uh, they've also got a red McLaren. They say it's more powerful than five Ford Fiestas. I never understand why somebody would spend money buying a, a super duper car and then they wouldn't bother insuring it. Well, they'd have to have one or two screws loose, wouldn't they? Really. I also noticed. I love to find out who's actually appearing in the country. Is there any good concerts coming up? And uh, there is one hit. Stevie Wonder is over in the country. And uh, he's going to be performing on the 29th of June. 29th of June. Stevie Wonder. Gosh, I interviewed Stevie Wonder many, many... Not here, but over in over in Austria. And the reason we interviewed him, because he was appearing in Austria. Uh, Eminem is back. Never, never been interested in seeing Eminem. Absolutely not. Dexies... Uh, used to be Dexies Midnight Runners. Now they're just Dexies are performing. Uh, plus Jack White. See, I don't know anything about Jack White at all. I couldn't tell you anything about that. Um, I can tell you about, I think, Eels. That's sold out, actually, at the Royal Albert Hall. Can you believe that? They've sold out at the Royal Albert Hall. Many of you sort of not knowing exactly who some of these groups are. But uh, this is a... I wonder if this is this book. Oh, it is. I think it might be. This is um, a man who has been down underground. He's been underground. And what he does, he takes photographs here and in Europe of crumbling buildings and long-neglected industrial sites. And uh, his photographs have been shortlisted in this year's Isa Maestro photographic competition for his architecture-themed images. And some of them are fantastic. There's an underground cistern built to supply water to Victorian London. And it's just a series of series of tunnels, but beautifully put together. The control desk of an abandoned power station. It's all here. If you go to... uh, Certainly, you can't go and see it, but there are lots of abandoned underground places that were used during the war, where people were, you know, in times of when the bombs were raining down on London, people went to these uh, places and they saved there. And there were escalators, big kitchens, all underneath your feet. All underneath your feet. And there's some great pictures in the Metro today. A one, an air raid shelter beneath the Northern Line in London. An air raid shelter. A flooded coke works and a long disused freestone quarry. All photographs there are places under your feet that you're not aware of. And I love stuff like that. I'm getting a book at the moment to talk about, uh, which has got photographs in, I think, underneath Nottingham and all the stuff there. Oh, look, the England football skipper, Stephen Gerrard, talking tech on tour and who's best at FIFA and his uh, techie stuff. It's interesting, and so they uh, they ask him, you know, what sort of stuff he takes with him. I st- I'm still laughing, really, I suppose, at uh, poor old Colleen, Colleen uh, Rooney, who was saying that uh, that when, when, when we're kicked out, then she's going to book a three-week holiday. I say she's going to book a three-week holiday. You can actually see her sitting in a travel agent. Not really, no. She would actually get uh, get better better people. I've recently discovered Doncaster Market, says Phil. He said, it's a beautiful old Victorian building and the atmosphere is wonderful. The food hall is amazing. All the butchers and produce, they're exciting. And the fish section, incredible. We have our... They're very rare, these things now, aren't they? Very rare. When you say to somebody, Doncaster Market, and somebody says, what's it like? And you go, it's really good. And also, it's undercover. So you get all the, all the sort of, all the normal things. We have a fish shop, as you know, in, in Twickenham. They're a rarity nowadays. And in fact, yesterday I went in... And uh, one lady was saying, oh, can you, can you freeze this bacon? I said, well, you can in a freezer. Yes, you can't just leave it in the garden. It'll freeze. Definitely not. She said, I recognise your voice. You're that man on the radio. I said, I'm certainly not. What an insult. And so I go to pay for my bacon. And, um, uh, and then another man said to me, he said, are you, are you, 
on the radio. I said, no. Why does everybody keep saying that to me? It's so ridiculous. Because you don't like to start a conversation, do you? It's my day off. I'm not, I'm not being me at all. But there's fruit and veg stalls and people calling out their wares and prices. One lady even sings about her lovely fruit. Almost Dickensian, says Phil. And he said on Saturday they almost give it away. Yes, because they don't want to keep stuff over the weekend, do they? So that's when you get the best, best bargains. So big up for Doncaster Market. I've forgotten we've got people living in Doncaster. Glenn says, do you remember the shoe shop called Blackman's on the corner of Cheshire Street in Petticoat Lane? Dad used to take us on a Sunday morning to get our school shoes. <laughs> Brian says that poor couple with their bad um, honeymoon. They should have honeymooned in Hampton Hill. He said it would have been much safer. Well, I don't know, you think? Talking of ducks, have you seen the ducks at Orleans House Gallery in Twickenham? He sits on the 30-foot archway in Quacks. He's been named the Duck d'Orleans. Lovely. <laughs> Sounds wonderful, actually. And Andrew says, just listening to you, talking about the honeymoon couple, food poisoning and a hurricane. Beats Blackpool any time. <laughs> uh, 84850. And uh, my ex-wife, who's Chinese, says, Joey, used to say they'll eat anything with legs except a table and anything that flies... Except an aeroplane. Chris up in Manchester says, if you win the lottery, do treat us all to an all-expenses-paid trip to sunny Blackpool, would you? I'm sure you can't think of anything better driving along the quaint streets in the Bentley, beautiful beaches, sublime food. Go on, Steve, go on. Oh, I couldn't do it. I, am, I know what I am going to do, though, if I win £109 million. I've told you before, it's all fairly straightforward. We're going to go and hire, I think, the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. Oh, we might need somewhere bigger. And we're going to bring down Only Boys Allowed from Welsh Wales. I'm going to phone up Tim and say, I want to book them all. And we want all 140 of them down here. And we're going to do the concert to end all concerts. That's what I've, that'd be my, my dream. That'd be so good. That would be so good. They can do all the songs that they did on the television. And then we can have the Christmas section as well. Oh, dear. 109 million. It's far too depressing to think about. My, my other producer, Lucy, keeps saying, you're not going to win it. You're not going to win it. She's on such a downer. What's the matter with her? I'm trying to be positive. I'm definitely not going to win it. But at least, I'm, at least I'm making the effort. It'd be nice to think somebody would win it tonight, wouldn't it? As long as they're not from Belgium. I don't want anybody from Belgium to win it. That's not sort of... That's, that's not, nothing against the Belgium. I just sort of think it's, it's ours. We should win it. I don't even mind the producer. Well, maybe not the producer. But, uh, you know, perhaps I could share it with somebody. I don't really care. 14 minutes past six. Don't forget Nick Ferrari and the team with you from seven o'clock this morning. Sandra and Gordon from Sweltering Tooting say so at the Hay Festival this year, there was a panel discussion entitled When Women Rule, about getting more women in business. One of the panellists was the MP, Diane Abbott, who no doubt did a great deal for the cause by sitting on the stage, texting and doing her emails on her phone when she wasn't the one talking. No surprise to me there. No surprise at all. 84850, steve at I was going to tell you actually quickly about this, this boss of a hotel owned by Peter Metcalf in Blackpool. And it's the hotel from hell. It was once a grand building. It's falling apart. Uh, to be honest with you, the, nobody knew there was anybody actually living in it. The front door, fire exit, uh, there were bottles of cooking gas and a large cylinder of petrol. But the ceiling had caved in. Uh, the electricity was makeshift, to say the least. All the fuses were handmade. Um, the prosecuting um, barrister here says the grimy kitchen at the new Kimberley Hotel was a health hazard. Every fire exit was either nailed or chained shut or blocked with beds. He added that the four remaining residents who paid 50 quid a week for rooms on the first floor would have faced a series of death traps if they needed to flee the filthy and flammable building. Anyway, it was so bad, so bad, that they sent him to prison for 18 months. He used to hold, apparently, uh, British National Party conferences at the hotel, convicted of 15 fire and safety breaches. 
Dave Russell, Assistant Chief Fire Officer for Lancashire Fire and Rescue, said the property presented a serious risk to life. I think most of them seem to do in Blackpool, don't they? They seem to up there. Uh, just having a quick check, actually. Just think if I need to buy any tickets this weekend. Michael McIntyre is going off on tour. My goodness me, the, the highest-grossing comedian obviously decided he wants a little bit more money. So, in fact, in London in October, he's got one, two, three, four, five... One, two, three, four, six dates, and then he goes to Sheffield for two, and then comes back for another, another three dates in London. And he's working uh, from September, ten dates in September, fourteen in October, November he's got about ten or twelve, and December he's got four dates there, finishing up in Leeds. And then, of course, he'll bring out the DVD of the show, because they're all doing it. Once you've actually written your show, you tour with it. And uh, Al Murray is doing the same. Twenty years at the Lager Top... And off he goes. And uh, it is one of the great wonders of the comedy world, especially when you think that it's such a good act. Al Murray, the pub landlord, he starts touring in September and runs all the way through to May of next year. Although I'm delighted to tell you he's not working Christmas. He's decided to take some time off. Front pages of the papers we'll, we'll run through very quickly in one second. Just give me one second before we run through those. On the subject of Petticoat Lane... Um, what memory you had with the plate man. The view you must have had from the depth of your pram, says, uh, says Glenn. The funny thing is, the, the plate people appeared in markets all over the place. They all did exactly the same. I also never tried sarsaparilla. He said, do you know what it consisted of? No, I've got no idea. He says, but I did go through a stage of eating roll mop for breakfast. I'll get my coat. Oh, dear. I can't think of anything worse, I'm afraid. Um, are you looking forward to Wimbledon starting, says Sean? Do I sound like the sort of person who's going to be looking forward to Wimbledon starting? I really do. It'll be the same thing, won't it? They'll have Cliff Richard singing if it rains, and there'll be overpriced strawberries. That's what they, that's what they generally tell you about, uh, about Wimbledon. I like the idea, says little Julie, of you opening the new Costco in Southall, turning up in the Bentley and cutting the ribbon. <laughs> Yeah, hold it as a thought. Hold it as a thought. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here very quickly. It's from, oh, it's from, from Dan. He says, a, a driver at work said the other day, you wanted me to get in touch with you again about something you couldn't remember what it was about. I have no idea either. No idea. I waved at a driver. I, would, I tell you, this morning, the N22 going through Twickenham in Middlesex was hilarious. He stopped at a non-existent bus stop in the middle of the town to, uh, to let a passenger get off. There's no bus stops there. I thought perhaps he was a new new driver. We had one the other day who had decided to go round the bottom of the Aldwych. And all the passengers were going, where are you going? He said, I'm going round here. They haven't been round here for the last year. Terrible, really. Uh, Edmund says, just listening to the show, he says, would you mind if I suggested to Costco that you'd be prepared to open the Hayes store early August? No, no, no. No, definitely not. I'm, I must come. I must pop down. Actually, I quite like the idea of popping down. I, I'm always fascinated by these sort of things. Quickly, front pages of the papers because we've only got about uh, three minutes to go on the program. I have to uh, make uh, make way for Lisa Aziz. Uh, let's take a look at the front pages. Crisis pulls America back towards Iraq. That's the Guardian's headline. As Obama claims all options uh, are open to stop the jihadists gaining a foothold. The Independent claims Baghdad prepares for the worst as extremist militants vow to capture the capital. The Mail pictures William Haig with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie at a rape summit in London. David and Samantha Cameron leaving Downing Street for a celebrity restaurant as it criticises the Prime Minister and his Foreign Secretary for focusing on matters other than the crisis in Iraq. Telegraph carrying a warning from the Governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, who has said interest rates could rise sooner than expected. They think they'll probably stagger them. That's what they think. The I newspaper, more on the Chancellor's announcement to allow banks to limit mortgages in a bid to avoid a housing bubble. 
The Times leading on claims that UKIP leader Nigel Farage could face jail for breaking electoral laws. Eating a small amount of processed red meat each day may raise the risk of suffering from heart failure. That's with the Express. That's a cheerful thought, isn't it? Actor Harrison Ford making the front of the sun rushed to hospital after being crushed by falling scenery whilst filming the new Star Wars movie in Buckinghamshire. And the Mirror have the same story, saying the 71-year-old actor suffered a suspected broken ankle in the incident. He is, as far as we know, uh, OK, but they're going to keep him in just for observations, but presumably it's, it's holding up the filming. So the sooner he's back out again, the happier they will all be. Nick Ferrari looking at the crisis in Iraq. Also, the big question, what do you think kids should know by the time they leave school? Basic commanded English language would be useful. Rick Mayle's wife said he died of a heart attack after going for a run. How can you exercise safely after the age of 50? It's the thing everybody hates, isn't it, really? Looking at the papers today, David Wooding, Associate Political Editor of The Sun Sunday, will be back in the studio. I'm back Sunday morning, between five and six, in conversation. And uh, it's the ladies today, it's the comedic ladies who will be with us on Sunday morning, then I'm live between 6 and 8. In Conversation is repeated between 9 and 10 on Sunday, just after Clive Bull's programme and just before Duncan Barks starts. Thank you very much indeed for all your texts and emails. I think we've sorted the world out this morning. I was talking to somebody the other day who said, you know, I said, I thought I would go out and buy a newspaper. He said, till I suddenly realised, I'd heard you do the newspaper review. He said, and I suddenly realised, I knew all the stories anyway. So there was no point. But uh, I'm sure that by the time we get to Sunday morning, I can't wait to see what Sunday morning's going to bring. It's always the exciting part of my weekend when I think to... I try and take bets on what I think is going to be running on the front page of the Sunday papers. Let's hope it's nobody from the only way is Essex. I'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes this morning. And then we have the official podcast a bit later on. You can find out details on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. So join me again. On Sunday from 5, if you missed any of today's show, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like with our new podcast service. You can download the app now on the LBC website. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here from 7 o'clock. Next, though, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.